Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start. Talk Recorded live. Recorded live. You know, we got hard nosed to do that recorded live for this special occasion. This is uh, season eight, episode two of the Steeler Fury podcast. Uh, it's a very special show. I am your host, Bradshaw the Ben, aka uh, Will Massasak, aka B2B, you'll hear me refer to uh, for those of you joining us for the first time. Um, guys, not only is it our special pre draft show, my favorite show uh, that we do every season where we recreate the Steelers draft room and occasionally have a guest or two. Um, but you may or may not know this because it just, it just happened moments ago. We have a website. It's the first time we've actually had our page like with a podcast and a little bit about each of us, and uh, you might find that exciting. It's SteelerFuryPodcast.com, uh, and I don't know. I was, I'm very excited to have something that has like a, a link, and it's got the best thing on it is it has a little section about the host, of the show with uh, Bradshaw to Ben and FC and Steel Perch and even a little thing about hard nose, but I, I, there's a little logo for Steel Perch on there that you have to see because it's it's perfect. It'll be his new. It's going to be his new icon for the rest of his life. So if you get a chance, check that out. Uh, I know Perch is scrambling right now to find out what on earth I put for his picture. Um, but anyway, I have with us, as always, uh, the uh, pundit uh, of of uh, the Steelers for the last few years, uh, known for his Steelers pregame gospel and just for generally being a curmudgeon on all things related to the Steelers and Pittsburgh sports. His name is FC. He joins us. How are you, sir? I am fantastic, and I am back, motherfuckers. You're I'm back? I'm going to be a full-time, yeah, full-time contributor back to Steelers Fury whenever the football season starts to get rolling. I took my little sabbatical in time and – uh what did they say in the Blues Brothers uh, whenever they were – Cap Cowley announced some uh, long trip to Sweden in the Altair Dimensions or some shit like that. <laughs> the, a trip to Sweden would be – that'd be good. I, one place I haven't been to do the – I haven't done the podcast from Sweden before. Um, almost everywhere. I actually also, know a bunch of people there. So the, the, if you ever end up in Sweden, I can hook you up with some great folks, man. There you go. Uh, uh, I, I, would, I might – I might take you up on that soon. Uh, also with us fresh, uh, refreshed and fresh back from his fishing trip where apparently he, he killed a lot of fish, which those of you, you know, are animal friendly might have a problem with that. But, you know, he doesn't. His name is Steel Perch. He's with us. How are you, sir? Merry Christmas, boys and girls. That time of year. <laughs> totally. Did you see your picture, Perch? That I put no, up. I have no idea what you're talking about. Where would I find it? <laughs> SteelerFuryPodcast.com. It's it's um like I said, you you're gonna thank me. You're gonna thank me later. I did I did you a, a solid. Um, at any rate, folks, uh, this we missed you, FC, last week because of a little uh, family emergency. Everything's fine now, but uh, yeah. Perch and I spent an hour and a half talking. Uh, and got very boring because, you know. I actually listened to it. I thought you guys did an exceptional job. Well, really there you go. So I'm giving you your chance, though, now to, 
to uh, give us your, your rebuttal and your two cents uh, just generally about the draft and generally about, you know, who you like more than most people, who you don't like as much as other people, especially anything where you disagree with us. Let's, let's start with that. We'll start with the players I dislike. Um, I dislike most, most players are in everyone's top 25 because uh, this draft, I guess I, 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 I say it more often than not. I don't see a clear cut elite player at any position. Now that might people may say Leonard Williams, for an example, and I like Leonard Williams. He's probably up there. I like more than most people. I see Leonard Williams is now starting to fall down seven, eight, some mock drafts. I think that's ludicrous. I don't trust Jameis Winston. I don't think that Marcus Mariota is near NFL ready. I have never been a fan of Dante Fowler or Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory before the pot smoking. Um, Marcus Peters, I, I, I love what I, he's put on tape. I do have a few questions about his athleticism, and that could be said about other players. This draft um, could be one that we blast on, and in two or three years we're like, uh-oh, you know, where there's a ton of great players, a ton of great players selected by the Steelers that we may not like at first. I like the depth of this draft. Um, I don't like – I like the quantity, not necessarily the quality. Um, I hate Kevin Johnson from Wake Forest. Why don't we just start that as a jump shot? <laughs> a lot of people love him. I, I, I see that's a common thing. It's your fury, and I'm – you know, I'm, I'll go with the flow whenever I like the flow, but I have no problems, you know, swimming against the current if, you know, I disagree about, you know, someone that people are hammering. Um, it's just so tough. I don't necessarily see an elite left tackle in this draft at all, but more you watch Collins from LSU and then you realize, wow, this kid didn't give up a sack last year. This kid's 340 pounds. If he gets down to 320 pounds, this might be, you know, an elite Pro Bowl left tackle for the next few years. Um, Brandon Sheriff, a guard. Um, I, I'm a fan He's lying inside the guard. Is he going to have the strength and ability to anchor? There's more questions than just stone cold lock answers in this draft, in my opinion. Yeah, well, that's a, it is a, you know, some years are more like, wow, you know, you have these at least five to 10 players that are really elite and then, you know, question marks after that. But I think you're right. This draft has fewer, you just straight up choices because Perch, even, even the ones that we liked, you know, like Sheriff, who is probably a position change for him. Gurley is coming off an injury. Um, you know, Kevin, Kevin White's one-year wonder. The guys that even might appear from the surface to be really solid or have issues. Even even uh, Lael Collins, he isn't the longest guy, you know, for an NFL for an NFL tackle. He's not the most athletic left tackle you'll ever encounter. He's a good player. We, we all agree on that. But, you know, it just seems like everybody has a thing, especially after months and months of breaking them down and tearing them apart. Um, you know, everybody has some issue about them that we might like or don't like, right? Yeah, I mean, we've discussed it a few times, and I, I agree with FC. There's two or three guys that I have as very safe, can't-miss prospects. It's Leonard Williams and Lyle Collins are the two guys that uh, – you could even throw uh, Danny Shelton in there too. But Danny Shelton is what he is. He's a space-eating nose tackle, and that's just not – you know, that's not valued as a top-ten pick. But those three guys, I just can't see them busting, you know, with, with Collins – if he can't stick at left tackle, to me, he's definitely going to be an outstanding guard. 
in the league. So I, I, I rate him very highly. If he can't stick at left tackle, he can play right tackle. I mean, there's there's a number of places that guy could play. But all those quarterbacks, don't trust any of them. I told you every time we've had a podcast, at least half of these edge rushers that go in the first round are going to bust. And good luck picking out which ones it's going to be. Some might, uh, you know, overshoot their what they what their marks are, and the other guys might uh, might fall below. The only guy I really have some level of trust in is Vic Beasley, and he's a horrible player against the run. So I'm glad I'm not picking in the top ten this year. And you hope that one of the guys you've got a pretty decent grade on falls down to 22. So. Uh, it's a it's a shaky draft. There is some good depth at uh, receiver. It's uh, running back. There's really good depth at running back and corners. Had some good depth. I don't think there's a lot of elite players at those spots, but there's a bunch of guys that are going to be you know NFL starters that they're going to come out of this draft. Well, good. I'm glad you mentioned that, Perch, because to me, the thing about running back and corner and wide receiver in this draft, those three positions, you may not get a player on day three who is as good as the top two or three players at each position. Um, but I think your chances in this draft of getting a player at one of those three positions on day three who is capable of starting for you by the end of the season is as good as any other position um, that you might pick in the first half of the draft. I just feel like there's a – it just seemed like 50 guys who are at the bottom who are all – could be contributors. You know, so uh, particularly at cornerbacks, the corner position in this draft is is not uh, elite at the top, but it's really deep, as deep as I can ever remember. Um, to that end, let's talk for a second about um, the, the Steelers' needs before we talk about I wanted to break down kind of, you know, who we think might be available for the first pick and just, you know, kind of give our two cents on them. But before we get to that, let's talk about not just needs. Everybody knows the Steelers need edge, edge rusher, and they need a cornerback or two. Uh, they need a, a tight end to replace Heath Miller someday. I know that kind of stuff. But to get more specific, let's talk edge rusher for a second. Do the Steelers need – a specific kind of edge rusher? Is it more specialized? Vic Beasley, you mentioned, isn't the greatest against the run, but, you know, do we need somebody more who provides pass rush or somebody who is a better all-around player? I'll start with you, FC. I definitely think they need a pass rusher. I think that uh, they have enough base-down players, um, you know, on the roster, and a lot's going to come down. There's a lot of unknowns. That Lemming kid that they signed out of Canada from Toledo, I believe, uh, he wasn't the greatest college player, but his advancement to two, three years in the CFL, he shows he's an advanced pass rusher. For all we know, he could be the next, you know, Derek Wake or Cameron Wake from Penn State who went to the CFL. Um, I, I think that they need someone that can just absolutely rush the quarterback and close the deal. Um, I, I feel that, you know, between, you know, Jarvis Jones, you know, that they have enough you know, that they can play at the base, you know, in the base sets. They need someone that they can bring in the nickel and dime packages that can attack the quarterback. So, so Perch, you know, do you look at the edge rushers as being left side guys and right side guys, meaning, you know, some guys are better suited to play on the left tackle side and some guys maybe better against the run on the other side? Um, yeah, you've got, you know, a guy like Vic Beasley, you'd, you'd want on your, on your right side, which would be against the left tackle and the more the, the weak side. He's not going to be facing the run as much there. And then you've got a guy like uh, Odigzue uh, and Preston Smith who could just mash on the other side, but maybe they uh, lack a little bit in the pass rush. But, you know, the big uh, question mark in the whole equation is our boy Jervis. You know, what is he long-term? Because you know, James Harrison, okay, he's there. He's a stopgap for this year. He's, just, You know, I don't even factor him into the equation because beyond this year, 
there is no James Harrison. So what what are they looking at for the future? And it all comes down to Jervis. You know, to me, I think potentially what he could do would be slide over to the to the left side, play the strong side, and be a you know maybe a Clark Higgins type where he plays the run pretty well. He gets you six to eight sacks a year, but he's playing opposite the lead dog pass rusher. I think that eventually is what you know his his sort of role can be for this team. So it's a matter of getting that, you know, that lead dog. You got to get the, the the top edge rusher, whoever it is, whatever type of player we can find. That's what they need to find, and uh, it's good luck at 22 finding that guy. Yeah, it's a fun, as I like to say, it's finding a Batman, not a Robin. You know, yeah. Robins are easier, easier think, to find. That's that's a good way to put it. And I think Jervis is uh, could be a real nice Robin, but be a horrible Batman. Yeah, no, FC, I'm just going to take the devil's advocate from what Perch said and, and let you comment on it. Because to me, Jarvis Jones, as I've said many times, we all know this, I feel it's an off-ball linebacker in a 4-3. He's a guy that could could be a wonderful strong side or even weak side uh, outside linebacker in a 4-3 where he's protected a little bit from having to fight up against a tackle on every play. And with that, you know, a couple of extra steps of head start and using his instincts, he's, he's a, I think could be a terrific player. You know, so my question is, on the, I, I feel like if he goes to the strong side, if, if eventually that's his future role with the Steelers, if he, I feel like he's going to get obliterated by, by right tackles in the NFL. What makes, what makes me wrong about that, I guess, is my question. In my opinion, what I, why I would disagree with that is uh, Jarvis Jones is an outstanding football player at certain things. One thing that he does very well is he plays with a good pad level. Second thing, he plays with great leverage. He has been schooled and taught well. Um, I don't think – I think that J- Jarvis Jones' biggest problems against the run is not getting blown out. I think that sometimes what he has a problem with is getting engulfed. The reason that I think that he had a problem getting engulfed playing right outside linebacker against left tackles is because his left arm, which would be his inside arm, and neck is what he's had problems with in the past. I think that he's got the right side of his body is strong than the left side of his body. He can keep his pads cleaner playing at left outside linebacker than right outside linebacker because he can set the edge, drop his can, drop his anchor, and lock an offensive tackle out. That is a strength to his game. He plays the run well. You said that you think he'd be an ideal 4-3 Sam linebacker. I don't think there's tight ends that could really handle him in the run game. Right offensive tackles, for the most part, are massive, strong players. They also happen to be my favorite new scouting term, bombs. Big, uncoordinated motherfuckers. And, you know, if if, if this mass of people and fat bastards, you know, is the key to run blocking the NFL, you'd have a bunch of sumos out there. You've got to be able to move your feet. You've got to have balance. And I think that Jarvis Jones has the ability to handle that with a player. Jarvis Jones is going to struggle a lot more with the Joe Thomas, like a big coordinated player. And I think they can move his feet. You know, and they, for an example, I think that for the Steelers, I think Kelvin Benjamin could give, uh, you know, uh, Jarvis Jones fits. I think he could own Marcus Gilbert. So. Yeah, when you put it when you put it that way, that definitely you know. I mean, put it in terms of the Steelers tackles, I, I, you know, almost anybody could have success on one side or the other. I'm thinking. Sure. Uh, <laughs> just just kidding. Hey, um, uh, Perch, the the uh, you know, talking about corners, 
you know, we talked about these edge players uh, being left or right-sided. Cornerback, it isn't so much left or right-sided, but it is – do you want to have a variety of guys? I mean, to me, I feel like we have, you know, two pretty good corners right now who are smaller guys in, in Willie Gay and especially Blake. And then, you know, we have a, an unknown in Cortez Allen, which is almost like James Harrison. You almost can't even factor him into the equation just yet because we don't know what we're going to get from him. But in terms of the Steelers looking in this draft, are they looking for longer players? Are they looking for good players? Are they looking for guys with ball skills? Like if you had to choose a couple of attributes and maybe give a little on some others, what would you choose? No, I agree that they need, there are different types of corners. They need one of each. I mean, they need another Cortez Allen, either a long guy that can play the outside, that can, you know, a press corner, a guy that can run downfield. Uh, and they also need another slot guy, a guy who's shifty and can change directions well. Because I, you know, Blake is really not that proven yet. William Gay, ideally, as I mentioned on the last podcast, is your nickel. And here he's basically our top corner uh, at this point in time. We don't know what Cortez Allen's going to do. You always need a depth guy, so... Hopefully they go back to the two dogs, one bone sort of approach and, and get uh, get one guy early and one in the middle of the draft. And, and you know, that, if you, they're bringing in another corner or two today uh, for, for their pre-draft visits. They brought in, I think, almost 10, 12, 15 corners. They're heavily looking at the position. You know, the staff, Tomlin and Colbert, have said they'll be above the line by the, by the time after the draft is over. So I, I got to think they're looking at one of each. I mean, if you look at the list of guys that they have brought in and looked at, it's been a wide variety of corners from, you know, Marcus Peters to Senquez Golson to everything in between. They've got the, the taller guys, the longer guys, the shorter guys, the shiftier guys. So I, I, really, yeah, I, I think they need one of each. This is what I'm trying they to They need guys. They need guys, exactly. Uh, FC, you're, uh, you, do you think they would take two taller, longer corners, or do you think they'll, if they take one of one kind, they'll be more likely to take one of a different kind? I think they're going to take the best that they can. So if that means an Eric Rowe from Utah who's a bigger, longer corner, or if that means a Steven Nelson or a uh, Senquiz Golson uh, from uh, Ole Miss and uh, uh, Steven Nelson from Oregon State, if those two people are the highest on their board when they're picking, let's say, in the second or third round, I think they're going to take them regardless of the height or, you know, I think that they need good football players. Um, if, 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 if Steven Nelson and Sid Quaz Golden are there, they're both smaller corners, I think they'll take both, you know, and let the best players – I think the Steelers need, especially in the defensive backfield, to get, you know, the best four. If you're in a nickel, the best five. If you're in a dime, the best six defensive backs in the field because, you know, the Steelers do have some issues there. And I'm far more confident in what we're going to get out of James Harrison this year than I am out of Cortez Allen because James Harrison has, you know, a resume. And, you know, he's proved what he can do, you know, for the Steelers, you know, over, you know, three, four, five years, you know. And Cortez Allen has eight or nine decent games. So I'm very concerned about Cortez Allen. I'm actually writing him off far more than I'm writing off James Harrison for the 2015 season. Yeah, that's a, well. That was you know going to be one of my next questions is what do we expect to get out of Cortez Allen? But it's tough with corners. I think it's and quarterbacks once they break, uh, it's hard to get them back, isn't it? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, what, the last, what's that part? What's that? I see. I said that the, the, they tend to be you know the the most fragile mentally 
you know, it's it's rare for a player like Ike Taylor to have like a horrible season that he had in, you know, 2006 or 2007 to be able to come back and have the solid season that he had in 2008. That's more of a credit to Ike Taylor, you know, than it, you know, it is, you know, the, to attack a player. He's, in my opinion, an anomaly to come back, you know, from and from being down all the way down and benched to come back and right. play maybe even better after that uh, for some sure. time. Uh, Perch, our last uh, sort of position, you know, where it's not just one position, it's, uh, you know, multiples, and that's the tight, tight ends. Uh, I'll let FC address a, a little bit what we talked about about height because, you know, it feels like some of the better guys in this draft that are, quote, tight ends are, are more of an H-back type or not necessarily a, you know, big inline guy. But, you know, the Steelers – you're still holding to what we said last week that they, you know, they actually need maybe a, uh, you know, a more of a blocking type tight end and more of an all around type tight end that we might need both of those out of this draft class, both, you know, that means both the selected players in the draft and also free agents. We're, we're looking for both. Yeah. I mean, they, they need depth. They needed a new Heath Miller and a new Matt Spath. I mean, uh, I know people like to joke about Matt Spath, but the run game really improved whenever he was brought back and healthy in the lineup. Um, you need that kind of guy if they're going to play the type of system they have. But, you know, look at the depth on, on the roster now. If Heath Miller was out for any length of time, they have absolutely no threat in the passing game from the tight end spot. So you, you need one of each. So, you know, we, we talked about that there's not a lot of good tight ends, especially as the move tight ends, the guys that can stretch the scene. There's, there's a handful of guys that are mid-round guys and projects there. There's a handful of guys that are, you know, more of your Jesse James, your Matt Spath kind of guys that are more of a – inline blocking, uh, unathletic type. And they're looking at all those guys, and I'm sure we're going to get some mediocre tight end in the middle of this draft. But, uh, you, you know, <laughs> you, you can only shop which, which, what's in the, the draft pool, and there's there's not much to get excited about. Tight end might be the worst position in the entire draft, if you ask me. There's two or three players that I think have potential to be, you know, decent, the good starters in the NFL and the whole, the whole group, and the rest is just, you know, bit – Bit players, so it's uh, it's it's going to be a tough year to improve the tight end spot. Uh, FC, first of all, you know, do, you, do we discount a guy being a future Heath Miller replacement if he's under six four or under six three or like what's the benchmark that you have in mind that you like to see a guy of a certain height? For for, for the tight end, it would be preferable to have someone six foot four plus with long arms. But at the end of the day, the guy got to be able to play football. You know, one of the Two of my kids in this draft, and a guy that I jumped on early through it, then he blazed the combine. I don't think he's sorry, a uh, FC. Sorry, one second. We just you cut out just a little bit. You're talking about Michael Pruitt, just so that everybody knows. right from Southern Illinois. Okay, yeah, and um, he's he's he had the great combine, and he went from being a you know late fifth round pick now to a third round pick. I don't see the value because I question if he's going to be anything more than a pass receiving threat. I don't think that he's a base down player. He's not a great blocker, you know, in line. Another player who I absolutely love, who I think is one of the most underrated players in this draft is a kid by the name of Gerald Christian out of Louisville. If any of you that are listening are a fan of Dante Fowler, I beg you to put on the Louisville Florida tape. Gerald Christian absolutely destroys Dante Fowler without help, in line, without an angle. Puts him on his back 
at least eight times, rum blocking. Rolls up his hips, puts him flat on his back. One of the most dominating performances I've ever seen by a tight end to a defensive end in college football. And, and Christian is not a big kid. He's 6'3", 245, but he is a great positional blocker. I think he's going to end up being a stealer, and I think they may end up taking him earlier than the seventh round. I think they may take him bottom of the sixth with their comp pick, maybe with their normal sixth round pick. But Gerald Christian from Louisville, in my opinion, is probably the most underrated tight end in this draft. Well, you know, you guys know my, my opinion. I've sort of come on the Rory Anderson train. I, the injuries – to me, are the main reason to not take him. But other than that, right. I love I love Rory Anderson as a you know a blocker, also also a wonderful blocker, but has a little bit more upside as a pass catcher maybe. So I mean that's that'd be a guy that I would take a chance on late maybe. But I'm wondering if uh, between yeah. you two guys, if you've seen um, you know the three guys that are sort of you know off the beaten track in football: Casey Pierce of Kent State, Brian Parker of Albany, and uh, especially a guy I really like from the uh, national runners-up in the FCS, uh, James O'Shaughnessy from Illinois State. Um, I thought O'Shaughnessy from when I, you know, I saw him in their playoff run this year. Uh, I saw about three games for uh, Illinois State. I thought he was a really terrific all-around player and a good special teams player. Perch, you seen any of those kids? Yeah, I've watched Casey Pierce a little bit. Uh, I've seen a few Kent State games, and, yeah, he's a a little smaller than what they usually like. But, yeah, I see some potential there mid to, you know, probably a late-round pick for for Casey Casey Pierce. But, uh, yeah, he's probably more of your move tight end than your in-line guy. Right. And uh, the other two, FC, you seen either guy? I have seen O'Shaughnessy, and I absolutely love him, and I knew that you would too. Um, Whenever you watch him, do you think a little bit of a – of, I don't want to say poor man's because that's horrible to say, but you you see like a little bit of a poor man's Jimmy Graham, just with the movement skills and the athletic ability. And, I think uh, he's, a, yeah. he's a little bit he's he's a little bit more try hard. I'm not sure what the there was a Tennessee there was a Tennessee Titans tight end that's not there anymore that for years was like their guy Frank Wycheck. Yeah, like that. You know, so he has like a yeah. sneaky sneaky good on offense. It's a real try hard player and a you know a good blocker. I just felt. You know he's got a lot of something. I I don't know much about that coach at Illinois State. I guess he was a he was a coordinator at, at Ohio State maybe before he was there. Yeah. I forgot who who it is. But the recruiting at Illinois State this year, they have five guys that could get drafted, and they have uh, the quarterback there, um, Trey Robertson, that they got or Robertson they got from uh, Indiana is you know as good a quarterback as you'll see next year. It comes out of next year's draft. So anyway, I was really impressed with their their whole team and in particular O'Shaughnessy. So, yes, there you go. You know me well enough to know I would like that kid. <laughs> right. But see, but see, to me, it's like – Steelers. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. For Steelers, needs, there was two tight ends that I really – that jumped out, and they just are classic Steeler-type players, in my opinion. One's A.J. Derby from Arkansas. He's not your typical Arkansas tight end that's been coming out. He is – he's a lot like Keith Miller. Um, he's a massive six foot five, 255-pound guy that um, he's smart. He understands the passing game. He ain't going to run away from anybody. He, I, I consider him a poor man's Heath Miller, A.J. Derby from Arkansas. is that kid's name. And another kid that I'm not as big of a fan because I only got to see one game. It's Brian Parker from Albany, who is even bigger than him. He's like 6'6", 272. At his pro day, he ran like 4'6", 9", and 4'7", 1". And uh, 
his agility drills were quite impressive, and that pushed him up from an undrafted free agent type into the seventh round. But, you know, when when you're talking Albany, it's very difficult. You know, it's, it's you might have just a small fish in a little puddle. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not even a pond. Sure. So No, but I've, I've seen both those players. I do, I do like them. Uh, it, Derby has surprisingly soft hands. He's like a – you know, big dude with really soft hands, which which is kind of a nice uh, skill set to have in the NFL. Um, you know, with somebody as you said that would fit with what the Steelers like to do, probably. Um, hey, gents, we um, you know, we're going to have a, a guest in a few minutes, but I, we have a caller. I want to take a quick call since we have a an opportunity. Who's on the line with us? Well, you were marked as guest five. I don't know who this is, and I guess we don't have anybody there. And I just, I probably made the poor guy way too long. <laughs> the, um, let's go and talk for a second about um, you know some players that we think might be available at the 22nd pick in the draft you know ranging from the less likely to be available to the more likely to be available but but mostly let's talk about you know just a, a quick um, take on on these guys do we immediately not consider them for whatever reason you know do you really really like them etc I pretty, pretty much assume that um, of the edge rushers particularly and uh, that Beasley is gone. Do you guys think Trey Waynes is gone? I, I kind of assume that he is, but maybe there's a possibility he falls. No, I think he's going to be off the board, probably the top 15 or 16, probably the first corner. Okay. So the one guy, the first guy that I can see that it's a long shot to be available that might be available is Shane Ray. I'm guessing both of you guys would take Shane Ray at 22. Hirsch, I'll start with pick up. <laughs> Yeah, I would. Uh, I would endorse that. I mean, it, it's surprising he was, you know, hot and way up on the board. Now you're reading stuff. Well, he, this guy may fall into the twenties. Uh, he's not ideal. He's not perfect, but uh, he'll be. I think he's pretty safe pick uh, for an edge rusher. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be okay with that pick at twenty-two. NFC. This is what I know about Shane Ray. He had a calf cut off his foot. He worked out. He didn't do that great. He had the cast put back on his foot. He got the cast cut off about two weeks uh, ago. He passed his, the medical. So this is a guy that wanted to show what he could do and compete so much that he cut a fucking cast, cut off his foot, so he could work out after he's put up two and a half years of great film. Just, that's the type of guy that I want on my team. <laughs> that's that's right. what I know well, about you, <laughs> you convinced you mean you convinced me. I you know like there's no doubt that some of the cats who were successful edge rushers in the NFL who had poor workouts. The one thing that they all have in common is injury, and I know you could say that about Jarvis Jones too. Sure, that he had a little bit of an injury thing, but it is true. I mean, generally speaking, the guys who had poor workouts who were successful had two things in common: they were long, you know, they're taller, longer guys, longer armed guys. And B, they had some sort of an injury thing. Shane Ray at least fits part of that, so uh, you know I'm willing to buy that. Right. Um, There's only one uh, Alden Smith. You know what I mean? Everybody's looking for the next Alden Smith, the guy that never put up impressive sack numbers in college, that had the injuries, that just came on like gangbusters in the NFL, and that really is an anomaly. Yeah. Um, Devontae Parker, I, I guess, is a you know possibility that he he falls a little he bit. Just, I, uh, and I, I assume that for us, the, for the Steelers, not a not a choice, right? Yeah, and I don't think he does he fall. He, the Vikings. There you go. Okay. Um, well, they're talking about you know Brashard Perryman jumping up and all that stuff. So, um, just you know, if I hit on anybody that you particularly think might fall and that we might pick, let me know. Um, I think I think that me and Perch could have an interesting little 
argument or spat at 22 if both Marcus Peters and Landon Collins are at 22 because I think that um, Perch has those players maybe in his mind ranked 1A, B, and C, with maybe Fields there, and I have them ranked 1A, and B, 1A, B, and C. But who he has A as might be Collins. I'm not trying to put words in your Perch. I've been reading what you've been writing. At least you know that. And uh, I would put Peters. I hope that's the type of pick that we have. Where we have to, <laughs> yeah, that we have to you know, choose between Collins and Peters. That would be a good choice maybe to have. All right. Well, I guess that's maybe a better way to put the question. Uh, Perch, who are the, you know, who do you want our choice to be between to make it really, really hard? What would make it the hardest three or four guys available that you think might be there? That's a better way to ask the question, maybe. Yeah, I mean, uh, if say if Shane Ray, uh, Marcus Peters, and let's say, you know what, those are the two biggest needs, and those are probably the two best players that potentially fall there. You could even throw like a Randy Gregory in there, but I mean, to me, if Marcus Peters is there, that's my guy. I'm not a Landon, Landon Collins fan. Uh, I think you can get a, a guy who can, you know, a strong safety who's good in the box that uh, maybe. Uh, struggles to change direction and, and, and coverage a bit, you can find a guy like that down the draft most years. So I, I'm not real high on him. So Par- Marcus Peters would be my guy who I would take. But... So, but Leal Collins, if you had Collins and Peters, you're still <laughs> Peters. Now that one, I would have some issue with. I would probably take Leal Collins there for the simple fact that I know he's he's not a nut job. He's not going to bust. He, you know, if he fails at left tackle, he can go to right tackle. If he's not good at right tackle, he could be an outstanding guard. That guy's a safe. I think, like I said, I've got him ranked second or third in the entire draft. If he comes to 22, I'm taking him. Uh, I agree. Outside, of, outside of one of those guys, Mark, Marcus Peters is the guy I want because I've seen what he can do in coverage. That guy, you know, he's, he should be a top 10 pick if it wasn't for all the off-field stuff. So with, with that being our biggest need and him being the best cover corner, I would take him over any, over anybody else that's going to fall down to us. You know, I don't think there's any way Lyle Collins gets past, say, Cleveland, who really likes him has two picks in front of us. He's not getting past 19. So I think that's out of the, out of the picture. Well, and then, you know, as far as edge rushers, there's going to be guys that aren't going to be, aren't going to drop from the top that we might take. And then guys that'll be gone before our, our second pick. You know, this to me is a, that's the thing. It's very dangerous when you get into this lower, you know, you get to the lower part of the first tier of edge rushers. If you know what I'm talking about, that, that to me is a is scary land. Statistically, I was reading something recently that, you know, round two uh, edge rusher picks in the NFL have the worst bust rate of any position group in any round, you know, in terms of compared to what they should be at that round. Um, so it, it's obviously like once they're picked through, you'll be willing to hold your nose and take a guy who, who didn't, you know, match, didn't stack up well enough for you to use 22 on him. Um, you know, maybe those guys aren't the best anyway, but I just mentioned that because to me there's a Digizua and Preston Smith, are interesting choices. I, I'm not sure I think Preston Smith is a, a fit for 3-4 outside linebacker. And uh, as mentioned, Digazua, I'm not sure if he's a good enough, you know, bender and edge rusher uh, to pick at 22. But you guys are comfortable with walking past those two guys. If, if let's say, Marcus Peters and Leo Collins are not available at 22, does that, does that bring the edge rushers who might be a little bit of a reach in play? Or are you going to be Kevin Colbert uh, still perch like and just take the best available player FC. I'm taking the best available player. If those guys are off the board, I hope I hope an Eric Armstead from Oregon's on the board, or you know, you know. Uh, a landing um, a landing Collins from Alabama, 
or the kid uh, Randall, if, if if I have to bail and it's and I have to take a pick at 22, I'm not a huge fan of Randall from Arizona State. But if push comes to shove, I'd rather do that than you know uh, jump out and maybe you know take a player that is just not. I love Preston Smith. I don't love Preston Smith for a three-four. I think Preston Smith may end up being one of the better four-three defensive ends in this draft. I could see him going to Seattle and filling the Michael Bennett type role or Jacksonville, maybe early in the second round and filling that Mike, Michael Bennett role. He's an outstanding football player. Probably one of the best defenders in the SEC that didn't get a ton of hype. I see two options in the second round for a pass rusher. Me and Perch and a lot of people at Sierra Fury love Nate Orchard from Utah. I'm sure you're a fan B2B because, well, you went to Utah and you like Utah players a lot for some reason. <laughs> I think it's because of uh, their coach. No, you do. And I, you, you get well-prepared, athletic, you know, reasonably, you know, off-character guys off the field and, you know, hard-working football players. It's a good program. I'm not taking anything away from, you know, Utah. Uh, Daniel Hunter from LSU, I think, is the biggest wild card in this draft because you've got eight or nine games of tape. And are you getting the next Kiki Mingo, who is a bust for the Browns, or are you getting the next Alden Smith? of nowhere that is just a stud. Daniel Hunter, you're talking a young kid, 20, 21 years old, 6'5", 255, 30-inch long arms, you know, under 155 split into 10. You're getting, you know, when you look for those measurables, you know, you can just check the box, check the box, check the box. Unfortunately, the only thing you don't have is actual football to, you know, justify the second-round pick. With me, you may not be able to those boxes on the measurables as much, but you have outstanding film. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, you know, I mean, Hunter, the question mark is just, can he put those tools together to rush the passer, or he's just lack that sort of suddenness to be a, as good a pass rusher as he is a run defender, which there's no argument he's a great run defender. Um, but Orchard, Perch, the thing about Orchard for me is you can't count on them on him being there at your second-round pick. So what happens if you – you decide you're not going to reach for edge rusher in round one. If, if, if Orchard gets taken before our pick in round two, we're, you know, then you're, then you're talking pretty slim picks, right? I'm perfectly well prepared to not draft any edge rusher the entire draft, to be honest with you. I mean, if, if you're not going to reach just to fill a need, and I hate when they do that, that's how you end up with, you know, bad players and busts. You're, you you got eight boxes you want to check, and you take eight positions instead of the eight best players. So if uh, if there isn't somebody worthy of the pick at 22, you pass on outside linebacker. If you get to the second round and there's a, a great receiver or tight end or lineman and mediocre outside linebacker talent, you don't reach for the linebacker. You take what's there. So, I mean, they've got four guys now that they've got Lemon in that they can get by this season with. And if uh, that's not good enough, they've got free agency in the draft again next year. So, don't reach to take somebody. Don't, you know, overdraft Nate Orchard in the first because you're afraid you might not get him in the second. Take the best player, take the best player, take the best player. At the end of the day, you're going to have a roster full of good football players instead of reaches and busts. And, I mean, FCI, you know, I, although I, in principle I agree with what Perch is saying, um, you know, there, there is a guy like, say, Eric Rowe. Like, if you really like a guy who supposedly is going to be available in round two, but you think he's underrated and he's worth a first-round pick. I mean, for me, it would be a Digazua 
that that to me is a guy that's supposed to go late first, early second, that I have no problem taking a 22 because I think he's that good a football player. But, you know, are there, are, you know, are there guys like that for you where you might say, you know, they on someone's board, they're not great value at 22, but on my board, you know, I would take an Eric Rowe. I would take a Byron Jones. I don't know if you like Byron Jones. I'd take a Marcus, I would take a Marcus Golden in round four. If Marcus, if Mar- let's say if I haven't taken a pass rusher or Marcus Golden's there in round four, I'd take him. People will tell me I'm nuts. People will tell me he's a fifth or sixth round pick. That's fine. Uh, I'll you, take him in the fourth F- round. FC, you're nuts. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> you're not the first person. I'm good with it. It's, it's like um, I, I sat and um, the more I, I a buddy of mine on uh, on Twitter, I was talking up uh, Malden a little bit earlier. Malden's good, but why take the second pass rusher off the He said. Check out, and you got just the same amount of production. And I thought, ah, this guy's nuts. And I went and I watched him play. Not very good against the run. Third down and 15, second down and 21. This kid is shot out of a cannon rushing the passer. Wait, who's, which, which kid? I'm sorry, we lost you for a second. His name is Delontrez Mount from oh, Louisville. Yeah, yeah, of course. He started, he started opposite, you know, of Malton, who a lot of people like, and I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from him. I think he's a decent pass rusher, but it's like last year at this time when uh, everyone was t- was so big on the cornerback from Cincinnati that uh, that they drafted in the first round last year. I can't remember his name. His name skates me. He had problems with the, the the interference penalties, and I, you know, I see Trey Wayans, you know, and he was taking number one wide receivers, and he was their best player. Yeah, and actually. You know, uh, it, by, the, by the way, I, I went round and round this. I wasn't sure either. It's Deontrez, like De, like Deion Sanders, Deontrez. I thought it was Deontrez okay. for the longest time because the I looks it looks like an L, right? So I and I'm stupid, and I didn't really know. I wasn't familiar with the player until this whole process started. But I'm with you. Um, a guy like that who's a stunt rusher, you know, might be as useful a tool. I mean, to 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 put it in perch terms, you know, that that guy doesn't necessarily have to be. If you get him late in the draft and he can fill a role for you as a stunt rusher, that might satisfy the need, you know, to up the pass rush without having to fork over a first or second round for a player that you don't necessarily think is first or second round value. So, um, Perch, I'm putting words in your mouth. Did you agree? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> I try, man. When I if I put words in your mouth, I try, you know, to get you. By the way, did you see your picture yet, Perch? I did just look it up, and that's a small mouth bass. That's not a perch. Come on now. Well, I know it is. And the perch has nothing to do with the fish. It has to be like out on a mouth, like on a perch, like a like a bird on a perch. There you go. I don't know. See, I always thought it was about the fish because I know the man likes to go uh, on the fishing trips. It generally, whenever you need him desperately for for a week, uh, that's where perch has been. Do you know anybody from Pittsburgh that doesn't like to fish? It's not like we don't have three rivers around us and shit. Everybody I know from Pittsburgh likes to fish. Even if they don't like to fish, they like to get away from their old lady and drink. <laughs> Indeed. I can't argue with that. Um, I can't argue with anything you guys say, really. Um, before we, you know, get into, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do our general, uh, you know the draft room for the Steelers and so on and so forth. But I just, uh, one, one quick thing I wanted to add to that mix was maybe a player or two, you know, you mentioned DeAndre's mouth. I think he's a perfect example of this kind of player, a player or two 
that is, you know, probably going to be available later in the draft. Our, our poor man's John Stallworth, the guy that, you know, Chuck Knoll was willing to run up and take in round one, but was talked out of needing to take him in round one because everybody was like, he'll be available in four, don't waste the pick. So from our standpoint, you know, maybe there's a guy or two you like in this draft that if they picked late, we've mentioned a few of them. Perch, I'll start with you. There must be somebody that you think, um, you know, is a, poten- a guy who could potentially come in and really contribute. Yeah. I, how about, uh, you know, I, I know we beat this guy to death and we talked about him a lot, but how about Henry Anderson from Stanford? I don't know where he's going to actually go. I've seen him projected as a third, fourth, and fifth round pick. But, you know, talk about Cam Thomas being our top backup on, at the defensive end position. That's a guy who, you know, if you can get him in the third or fourth round, I think you could be pretty confident he's going to be in your rotation right away. FC, do you think do you think Henry Anderson is a guy that would work as a full-time five-tech? Is he a three-tech? Is he a guy that can play both looks for you? I think he's a starter next year. And I think he might be the second-best uh, five-technique in the draft. Oh, why are people talking about him as a fourth or fifth round pick? I, I look at the film and I look at his measurables. You know, I mean, it's the classic. Everybody always wants to make the next Aaron Smith, but the kid is built like him and has the same kind of uh, strength to his game, uh, maybe even a little more polished at this point of his career than, than Aaron Smith was. Hirsch, why are people talking about that kid as a fourth rounder? I don't understand. Um, you know, I think he probably ideally is a five tech, and he only half the teams in the league. You know, use are going to use the five tech. You know, with a thirty-four outside line or thirty-four uh, front. I don't know. I mean, he doesn't have flashy sack numbers. He's just a good football player. So, I mean, compare him to Eric Armstead. Is the gap between those two very big? I mean, Armstead's no. maybe a little bit better. I know a lot of people love Armstead. No, as much as I would say, Henry Anderson is definitely my second five technique in this draft. Yeah. In my but do you think they're seventy picks apart or eighty picks apart like they're projected? I say no Hell way. No. So, I mean. That's why either one guy's overrated or the other guy is severely underrated. And if they can get him, you know, if they can get an edge rusher, a uh, a cornerback, and then Anderson in the top three picks, I mean, I think that's a home run. Yeah, I mean, that's truer words were never spoken. I don't know. Like I said, I think we're all three big fans. But that's probably because we appreciate five-tech play more than the average person. And the other thing is, and I I made this point, FC, last week, is that I saw a lot of this perception – about uh, a lot of this perception about where players are supposed to go in the draft and while well, this, this team reached or whatever is based on, you know, a guy writing for CBS Sports who, who may or may not have inside information about what teams like or don't like, but, you know, creates this perception of like Henry Anderson being a fourth-round pick. That um, isn't necessarily the way teams see him, and I guess maybe we'll find out on draft night. Um, guys, we have a, a special guest with us uh, joining us from – He's a, he's a featured writer at uh, Bleacher Report and the Pro Football Spot. His name is Scott Karasik. I'm sure you guys are familiar with him. Scott, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you all? Good. We're, you're, good joined, well, uh, you're joined uh, by uh, not only me, but uh, FC and Perch, our regular guys here. And we're, uh, you know, we generally throw brick bats and eggs at the guests when they come on the show and try to tell us about draft stuff. But um, I asked you on because I wanted to, it's always nice to get like a little bit of a perspective that, you know, we, we debate these guys all the time uh, back and forth and, uh, you know, in, in, especially in the context of fits for the Steelers. And so uh, oftentimes, you know, we don't see the way people uh, around the league see them. So 
our first question, you you walked in in the middle of a discussion about Henry Anderson. Are you are you a fan? Do you, are you one of those cats that sees him as a you know mid rounder, or is he a a player? I mean, he's a mid round pick. He he's he's not going to be a long term, you know, Pro Bowl kind of guy, but he could at least be that ten year starter who plays at an average level. Especially if you use him as a five tech, he reminds me a lot of Brett Kiesel. Well, that's interesting. What, what, so you don't, but you think that that's a mid-round? He's a mid-round pick because of whatever his limitations maybe would be the question I'd ask. I mean, he's got good physical skill sets. He's he's very raw with his technique. That's the big issue. But he's not going to be JJ Watt. And when you're a three tech, if you're not JJ Watt, you're not worth a first-round pick. I mean, it, it's pretty much that simple. Or unless you don't have like a ridiculous kind of uh, skill set, he's a He's not a good scheme fit for the four three, so it's gonna make that's gonna drop him down a little bit. He's not a great scheme fit for the um for an unbalanced three four unless you use him as that base end. So I, I honestly would rather use him if I'm gonna be a team like Pittsburgh, he's a five tech to me. Wow. That's Matt Miller who he I guess if you're from Bleacher Report says he's the best five technique in an odd man front in this draft, including Eric Armstead. Yeah, I know. Actually, uh, there's a couple. Like I said, the reason we were talking about him, Scott, is because, uh, and we're joined by Scott Karasik again. For those of you who didn't catch the pop, uh, it's the reason we talked about him is that he's polarizing. You know, they, I, I literally, I know Josh Norris. Uh, you know, thinks he's a top 15 player in the draft, um, and and yet there, you know, you've got all these differing opinions. I think part of it might be, you know, he's a a guy that people aren't sure about what his position is. He's not easy to project because he wasn't exactly playing like a traditional five tech in college. Maybe that's part of it, Scott. Well, I mean, he wasn't going to be used as a traditional five tech in that Stanford defense. Um, they like using their defensive ends a lot in a straight up four or even as a six tech sometimes um, with how they do their offset three, four. And it just doesn't, wasn't a great fit for him. He's better off in that five tech holding onto that tackle, just, Playing that outside shoulder and playing half man—that's his best fit. But see, we're the three of us here on the show. We're we're all Steelers fans who, you know, have been watching the team for twenty some years. You know, thirty some, forty some years. We appreciate five tech play. You know, it's like maybe maybe that's just it. You know, from our standpoint, you like you look at that guy. You know, you said Brett Kiesel. He the guy is built like Brett. Uh, you know, he he's built like the classic. Uh, you know, Aaron Smith five tech. You know, to my to my eyes, they may never be that flashy, and as you said, he might not be somebody that people look at as a Pro Bowler. But you know, if you get a guy like that somewhere in the draft, the first couple of rounds, even seems to be worth it for for us. That's probably why we're you know pushing on the tech anyway. Oh yeah, um, but what, what I'm saying is, I, Brett Kiesel is one of my favorite players of all time, but he went to one Pro Bowl his entire career, and it was kind of like a you know, congrats on playing in the NFL for eight years. You're the best five-tech in the league at this moment. So, And he was better than Bowl. 200 players who were drafted in front of him, is what we're saying. I mean, he had a better <laughs> career than, than 200 players who were drafted before him. Well, I mean, if you had to draft him over, would if, you take Brett Kiesel in the second round? If you had to go back and look at that draft and all the players were taken, was he worth, worthy of a second or third round pick? No, but he was worthy of a third round pick. Or he was worthy of that mid-third to mid-fourth round. For what he is, if you can get a guy like Brett Kiesel in that mid-third to mid-fourth round, you do it in a heartbeat. 
Yeah, okay. I, you know, all right, so we're we're not that far off, I guess. Uh, no, so, no, no. no I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, as a whole, five tech is kind of a devalued position. If you're the Steelers and you're picking towards the end of the third round at, you know, what is it? Where, where are they picking in the third round? Like 90-something? Yeah, yeah, it's in the late 90s. Yeah, if you're picking in the 90s in the third round, you take them in a heartbeat, especially if he's there. Sure. Well, let's talk for a second about... Um, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. He is a scheme fit, exactly. So that makes it maybe a round, a round earlier, you know, value for someone like the Steelers, um, right? If you think he fits that five tech. Um, so let's talk for a second about uh, the, the first round players. We just uh, had a conversation a minute ago about players that might have a chance to to be there at 22 for us. Um, you know, that'll include somebody we don't expect to fall maybe at this point, um, like like a Gregory, uh, and it might include a player or two that. Uh, as a surprise that someone picks ahead of us and drops, you know, pushes someone down uh, of that crew that's there, you know, we outside linebacker, edge rushers, cornerbacks, you know, I think we're pretty hip to those cats, but uh, you know, from your standpoint, from the outsider's point of view, who do you think is going to be available in that second half of round one that will be uh, looked back on in a couple of years as being a steal? I think Odigi Zua probably is going to be, looked at as a steal, especially if he's used in the right uh, role. If he's used in that same Justin Tuck kind of role, you'd have a ridiculously talented player there. He may never be a 20-sack guy, but if he's an 8- to 10-sack guy and gives you great run defense, that's worth a late first-round pick all day. Yeah. Do you think he fits in a 3-4 from our standpoint, or do you think he's a 4-3 guy? Because that's, you know, that's a big question with him, I'm sure. Well, here's the other question that I have. Are the Steelers still running the 3-4? Because yeah. I know Dick left, um, and Keith Butler, he runs a 3-4, but it's not the same. It's not close to the same scheme. Yeah, I'm, glad, just, you, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm, you know, uh, Perch, I'll throw that to you. Do you think we're, we're thinking about this all wrong, that we that not just about it being a 4-3, but just in general, assuming that what the Steelers like for the last 10 or 15 years is what they're going to like this year? Why in the world would we assume that Keith Butler runs a different 3-4 than Dick LeBeau? I mean, wouldn't his professional career would lead us to believe that? Now, is he and Coach Tomlin going to mix in more four-three looks? I agree, that's that's going to be the case. I don't think they're going to completely change the scheme of the thirty-four defense that they run. It's going to be more of the same of what they did with with Dick LeBeau, and they're going to mix in, I think, a little bit more four-three looks once they get some different personnel in there. But it's it's not going to be some dramatic shift. And the guy came up under LeBeau; he was. Tab the whole time is his basically, you know, his his apprentice understudy. That's where he's learned the scheme from. He's not going to go and change it 180 degrees. And I'm not saying change it 180 degrees, but I'm saying go from that Dick LeBeau, you know, basically Rex Ryan, Rob Ryan, um, Buddy Ryan, blitz heavy style scheme to more of that pure offset fourth or offset three four. Um, I think that's going to make a lot more sense. Where it's going to look more like a like a Nolan mid two thousands Ravens defense, and it makes more sense to you because of what the talent is that the Steelers have, or, or some other reason. Well, one, it's the talent that the Steelers have, but two, it's the way the league is going. Having going with that, you know, LeBeau defense, that single high. You don't have a guy that can play single high unless you're moving Cortez Allen, or you know, maybe William Gay back there. So you don't have that single high safety to make that defense effective. I love Shamarco Thomas, but he's a strong safety. He's basically a smaller version of what you had in Paul, Paul Malo. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't know what the other guys. I I kind of agree with that. To me, that's when you drafted him, you were thinking he was going to be Palomalo's replacement, whether it works out that way or not. But interesting, you know, from the time from the time that Ziggy Hood was drafted, you know, we've pretty much every Steeler fan in existence has been talking about the Steelers shifting to three to four three, and I mean, FC last year they they showed a lot of four three type looks, not necessarily in the, in the base. But right. you know, it was a lot of their defense, really. Probably as they used that as much as anything. Right. But well, uh, well and the thing oh, is, sorry. the reason why I was saying you would go more back to that Nolan style defense is because you've got a weak three, a strong one, a strong five. That's how the defense is basically run. Um, and you're basically one gapping on one side of the defense, and you're two gapping on the other side. You've got a good mix of one and two gap defenders there. Guys like Ryan Shazier is more of a one-gap, where Arthur Motes is more of a two-gap defender. Lawrence Timmons is more of a one-gap defender. James Harrison is going to be that weak side um, that weak side offset right there. And if Jarvis Jones beats him out, then it's nice, but I don't really see Jarvis Jones beating out James Harrison. Yeah, I that's something that I think Jarvis all four of us can agree on. Start at left. I think Jarvis Jones is going to start at left outside linebacker. The thing is, is through wow. the run-and-shoot, the chuck and duck, the spread, West Coast offense. The Steelers have had Rod Ruff, Woody Woodenhofer, Dick LeBeau, Dom Capers. The Steelers have been doing what they've been doing for 40 years, going back to, or to 38 years going back to Chuck Mull when we first moved to the 3-4 in 83. And, uh, we're going to two-gap it. We're never, ever, 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 ever going to be like Bum Phillips. It's just the Steelers' way of, of, of thinking football, no matter what. It's going to be the choke off and eliminate the run. Oh, I was saying you're going to be more like Bill Belichick, not Bum Phillips. Um, right. I'm, uh, but, uh, Bill Belichick's more like Dick LeBeau, if, if we're going to get down to it. The Steelers played the least amount of single high safety in the NFL over the last two years. Getting back I mean, they put- to... We, we, we play I, I put that more on Tomlin. One. I put that more on right. Tomlin than Dick LeBeau. Uh, and I won't disagree with that. But going back to the draft, I really am. I'm not a follower of the Tom McShays and the Mel Kuypers and these new wave people. I, I, I got into scouting and, and following the draft of a guy by the name Joel Bluthbaum, who wrote for Sport Magazine. And he's pretty much the tall He is what Sid Gilman is to the modern passing game in the NFL draft. And you draft the player to fit the scheme. You don't draft scheme players to fit. And if you get – we'll go back to Henry Anderson. For the Steelers, if they value him as at pick 98, you know, and you take – like the Houston Texans who played the 3-4, but they play it differently than us, than the Knots, and they value him as a fifth-round pick – the Steelers, for their for what they want to do, they should draft him in the third round. And up and, and then team like the Texans, he might be he, he probably wouldn't fit there, and he wouldn't be great because he's not your a penetrating type of defensive lineman coming out of Stanford like a Josh Morrow was last year. And, and oh, Morrow is terrible. He is. That's that's, that's just, I understand that. And but Josh Morrow would actually be a better fit for what they're doing in Houston. Than what the what Josh Morrow is not a fit for anybody. He's terrible. He shouldn't be in the NFL. <laughs> I, I, I I wouldn't disagree with that, but you know, 
it's it, it's, it's player fit and it, like an example, the kid double O from UCLA. There's Jerry's will ever draft him, and he's getting horribly dinged now around NFL draft for character because his father's a mass murderer, and he didn't do great on psychological tests. Who? Oh, what? Yeah, Dikazua, yeah. yeah. He did absolutely terrible on the psychological test, and his father's a mass murderer. He killed five people in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, and here's the thing. I did not know that. That's kind of messed up. (laughs) You can say say it's a stretch to, to use it against it, but, I mean, this is the NFL we're talking about. Who sure. you know this this kind of psychological profiling is they live for that stuff you know I mean I don't you know I don't necessarily think it has that much to do with you know what the player will end up being and in fact you know in a in a sick sort of a way as an NFL defensive player and a you know alpha male pass rusher maybe you want to have a guy that's you know that has some violent tendencies I don't know sure. James Harrison you know comes to yeah. mind but well, right the, the you, thing but is, you, you have to walk the, okay good I was gonna say the thing is he moved to America because it was like a war-torn country in Nigeria. That's why I, I don't... Right, children's soldiers. I'm, he, I was a huge fan of his coming into the year, and, I, and I'm still... If, if the Steelers were... If they traded down in, in the, in the, early into the second round and they took him, I'd be fully behind the pit. What I'm seeing is he's starting to get banged because of character. It's to the point where they're saying... His character is that of comparable to a Randy Gregory or a Jameis Winston, which is not fair at all. He's never had a drug test. He's never had a run-in with the police. But, you know, whenever you start having these things pop up, I've watched a player fall from third, fourth overall pick down to 11 or 12. I've seen eleven a pick that was 11 or 12 fall away into the third round on supposed character concerns. No, this is. Like I don't. A, like I don't see that NFL. with Diggy. I really don't see that with Oa. I, I I could see him falling because of his questionable hips, because he's had two hip surgeries. But I can't see him sure. falling because they think that he's going to be a mass murderer because his dad was a mass murderer in war torn country. Saying, what I'm saying is he did. He, he supposedly, you know, the psychological tests that that they give at the combine. Um, you know, Bob again, pretty pretty good at the. You know, you know that, that's whenever you start. You know, if he falls, and everyone's gonna be like, "Why is he falling?" That may be, you know, a part of the reason. And I'm sure that the degenerative hip condition, you know, on the on the left side of his body, will also play, you know, a factor in it. The the funny thing is, um, uh, there's another player that's we're, that a lot of us will be kind of familiar with that supposedly had the same type of degeneration problem as left hip by the name of Clay Map Jr. And I think he's had a solid NFL career two days. He's had a pretty decent career as an edge rusher, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm not worried about him. Well, you know, <laughs> guys, I, you know, just the last word I'll offer on this is, you know, this is the NFL where a lot of GMs and front offices, I think, are motivated by fear. They, they're looking for reasons not to take a guy, not to take a risk, um, because they think they're trying to keep their job. You know, some of the good organizations don't treat it that way, but I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that there are a few that are very, very careful with risk and very risk averse. Um, one last thing for you, Scott, and I'll let you go. Um, the, uh, you know, everybody's, we can debate Jameis Winston and uh, Marcus Mariota over and over again, but the, the, who's the third best quarterback in this draft? And, and it's helpful if it's somebody that no one's talking about. 
I mean, I've got it as Bryce Petty and Garrett Grayson and Sean Mannion as the next three. Yeah. Well, after Brett Hundley. Because Hundley's the third best quarterback in this draft. No one, else Perch. Has, no one else has a first round pick. Uh, Perch, I'm. I'll, I'll throw this to you as the last thing, so you because you, you, you've uh, backed off into the corner. I think you were afraid of the cat scratching. But uh, <laughs> the, the, what, the, what do you figure? We don't. We never talk about quarterbacks on the Steelers show because you know the chances of the Steelers taking one is about as likely as that they would take a guy like Landry Jones in the fourth round. But what, what, what do you think? Uh, you know, what quarterback aren't we talking about that we should be? I guess there's a way to put that question. Well, in general, I hate them all. Um, but uh, if I had to pick a third best, you know, I was I was impressed a bit with Bryce Petty uh, at Baylor and how he's able to move the ball down the field. I watched Garrett Grayson a bit, and I think he's got some potential. Uh, you know, none of those guys really excite me. If you're really going to take a stab at somebody, that, those are probably the two. The first two guys scare me. I don't think I don't think there's going to be five years down the line. I don't think we're going to see anybody from this entire draft class as a very good starting quarterback in the NFL. So you might you might get a backup out of the crew after the first two, but I, I don't I'm not impressed with much of any of them. Anybody like Trevor Simeon besides me, the kid from Northwestern? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I would compete. Yeah, I would but compete I mean, level, you know, what I mean, backup. He could be a backup quarterback in this league. That's what I think. He's a if, guy that, you know. If I want a backup get, quarterback I'm with my tools, I'm getting Chris Bonner. Chris right. Bonner from Colorado State Pueblo, yeah. I mean, that, that's your long-term backup. That's your Jason Garrett 13-year I backup. You, I think you hate Connor Holliday. I like Connor Holliday. I actually have him ready to hit of, uh, Chris Bonner. But I'm worried about his knee injury. He's probably yeah. not going to make it to a camp or make it through a camp this year. So you, you you've got a whole second year. I don't know how long his career is going to project, but I think if you've got a guy on pure talent, he's got the arm talent. Does he? Ha- he's got the arm talent. He's got it in his head, but you're kind of questioning mobility. You were questioning that before, even before the knee injury. I agree completely. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably put Holiday fourth in my mind on guys that I think are going to end up having a chance of being a very good quarterback. But yeah, I. I don't like the quarterbacks in this class either. Yeah, it's a it's going to be a big year next year for quarterbacks too. So that's another reason to to not jump at anybody. Uh, I think I think it's going to be a really big year for quarterbacks. You can remember I said that when you say next year's class is weak. <laughs> By the time we all get there, uh, Scott, I lied. One more quick question: Who's the biggest name bust in this draft? That when we look back five years from now, we can say, yeah, Scott. That's what Scott said. Shane Ray. <laughs> he just missed the beginning of the show where we were talking about how much the other two guys like him and they convinced me that uh, he's worth having. No. I, I mean, unless you're going to use him as a pure, all he ever does is rush the passer and you're worried about – I don't like his pass rush moves. I don't like his run defense. He's a motor guy with limited athleticism who uses his hands well, but all he is is a motor guy. He's Croyd Beerman at best. <laughs> Which, as an Atlanta Falcons fan, I can tell you, uh, guys, is not a compliment. <laughs> no, he's, right? a, he's a rotational guy. He'll get three or four sacks a year. He'll give you okay run defense when he's in, and that's about it. But if you've got to start him, you're really, really, really screwed. Okay, well, uh, see, this is now I don't know anything about anything because I think if I ask five people who seem to have good takes on – 
on the prospects and you get five different opinions about a guy like I'm, you know, that makes me, I, I, you know, that makes me think to myself, I don't really know anything. I thought I knew, but I don't necessarily know. Anyway, Scott Karasik, thank you very much for being with us. And your, your last name ends in Ick. You fit right in on a Steelers a Pittsburgh show, right? We're all, you, you're, uh, your family, uh, I'm going to take a stab and say from the Balkans somewhere. Uh, yeah, Russia. Well, that's almost the Balkans, yeah. All right, Russia. It is the Balkans. Slavic, <laughs> Slavic Scott Karasik. Thank you very much for being with us, man. It's interesting to get a different take on things. Sounds good. All right, right on. Thanks, Thanks bud. All right, bye. You can, you can uh, follow Scott, uh, at Scott Karasik, C-A-R-A-S-I-K, on Twitter. Um, he's always got some good stuff. Anyway, gentlemen, you know how that game goes. It's, it's, it is uh, funny, the stuff that, I think really seriously, if we had 15 guests lined up and we asked them all about Chain Ray and Henry Anderson, we'd have 15 different uh, opinions of all, all convinced based on what they saw. So I think that's probably, I don't know, Perch, you figure that's the way the NFL teams are as well, that they're, they're just as likely to have each team has a different take. Every, every scout and coach on the team has a different take, or do you think there's more group think than that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of group think, but you get those outliers that, you know, some people love. Dante Fowler, I'm hearing that he's the best prospect in the draft, and I'm hearing he's going to be a, an absolute bust and wouldn't take him the first two rounds. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the extremes of what we hear this time of year. But, uh, you know, the, the, the majority of the players, people have pretty similar grades on, but some of those guys, you just either love them or hate them. And uh, it's, it, that's, I think that's what part makes it fun. Yeah, indeed. Well, Guys, it's we've come to the uh, you know the the most exciting thing that we probably do all year long, uh, other than uh, bash Roger Goodell. Can we, can we come up with a reason to bash Roger Goodell? Um, sure. Uh, I won't actually, before, before we go to the draft, uh, FC, you weren't here for the Le'Veon Bell suspension. You know, do you do you, do you feel like? Uh, he's just getting even more grasping at straws with punishments, or do you feel like uh, you expected, this is what you expected? Because to me, it's... Oh, I, you know, I expected it. I, I mean, whenever they changed... When they, whenever he got the DUI, you know, when, even though he plotted out, it, it says, you know, the new law, or new Rogers law, says that's a three or four game hit. So I expected it. Um, do I think it's fair or right? No. Does that make a difference? No. So I think... You know, Roger Goodell is a cocksucker. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I'm like at the point now where I'm at acceptance of, of everything that he does. I mean, he's just a complete, total, outright prick. And you know, the 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 owners love him, and the players won't stand up to him. I mean, they had no problems signing, you know, or extending D. Marie Smith to continue to be the head of the players' union and to be his little whipping boy. You know, I would have loved to see Sean Gilbert be the head of the NFL Players Union because it would have been a whole different ball game of negotiations and talk. But the yeah, players maybe, are although you know, it's, it's it's like politics, though. You know, they talk big in the primaries, and then when they actually get down to doing it, you know, they're all best friends. So yeah. you, you never know. But uh, Perch, will this be the year that some prospect refuses to be have his picture taken with Roger Goodell at the at the uh, draft? No, they're they're not savvy enough to think that think for themselves to to do something like that. They're they're up there realizing they're getting their million dollar contract, and they're all hugging whoever you could put uh, Hitler up there. <laughs> up there, and they'll be hugging. Him. Kiss the ring, kiss the I hugged, ring. I hugged Satan. I'm so ashamed. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Well, well, guys, um, this is a portion of uh, our pre-draft special at SteelerFury.com and Steeler Fury Podcast, where uh, we try to simulate the Steelers' war room. You know, some of the stuff that we do here, we're doing it in a really uh, abbreviated fashion. I'm sure there are actual war room conversations and debates about players and slotting, you know, for, for various places in the draft. How it happens, you know, for, for 12 months or 24 months, uh, and not just, you know, as the draft is unfolding, but, you know, more or less that, that works that works for us uh, here. So, you know, let, let's, uh, let's do this. FC Perch has filed a formal complaint. He um, says he's tired of being Todd Haley. Uh, so, FC, you're going right. to be Todd Haley this year. That's fine. I'll, I'll sit in the corner and watch. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, but I I mean I want you to do due diligence though. Hit me with some players because I might I might take some. Uh, and first you get you get to be uh, Keith Butler for the first time on the show. Uh, so we have no idea. You know, you, can, if you may be talking a little bit of a Georgia drawl for well, me, that'd be we're, yeah. Working on my Southern drawl right now. We'll see how Hi. it goes. Hi. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. So round one. Um, do you want to make it? Do you want to make it interesting and say that Marcus Peters isn't available? Or do you, I, I, let's put this way. Let's take a vote, all three of us right now. Will Marcus Peters be available at pick 22? Uh, I'll start with you, FC. No. Perch? Definite maybe. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, put me down for yes. Oh, great. Great. Now it's like my choice. Um. I suspect that he will, in fact, be available. So let's 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 start there. Um, FC, I'll give you the first dibs. If we, you know, it's un, in the extremely unlikely event that we might take an offensive player in round one of this draft, um, especially if Marcus Peters is available on the other side. Uh, what do you what do you got for me that should be available here at twenty two? Let me tell you about this Perryman kid. His daddy, Brett Perryman, was a great football player. His godfather, Michael Irvin. Oh, I'm Todd Haley. Um, I was playing golf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his godfather, Michael Irvin. Um, you got a refined pass pass route runner. Whenever you look at his sophomore film, where he had a quality quarterback in Blake Bortles, you would swear that he was going to be one of the top wide receivers in this upcoming draft. Antonio Brown. Well, you know he's being a little bitch, and. Uh, he actually won't let my wife watch him while he's in the sh- or won't let me watch him when he's in the shower. So, you know, <laughs> we gotta get rid of Brown. We need this Perryman kid. All right. Well, what about Doriel Green Beckham? Um, Would you take him over Perryman? If, if right. well, I'm saying he likes without. Well, without Todd Haley, would I take Green Beckham over Perryman? Wow, that's tough. I probably would not. <laughs> Because I think that Perryman offers a lot more than the experts think that he does. I mean, he's a really good route runner, and he really loves football. I mean, he's he's one of those Florida kids that the football is in his DNA. I mean, he literally was walking out of the smoke at the U at like two or three. His godfather really is Michael Irvin. You know, his yeah. mama is in the Blades clan. I mean, this is a kid that was born <laughs> – to be a football player. No, I'm not. I'm not being sarcastic. Really, is no. I know. I know you are. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, you, I one one thing I can tell you from having watched uh, a lot of Central Florida this year because they have a like like Southern Illinois, the team I mentioned before. I you know I, I don't they their quarterback situation was horrendous, but they have yeah. literally 
three or four wide receivers that could play in the NFL plus a tight end that'll probably be there someday as a backup. Um, so, you know, just the quarterback play was so bad. It's really hard to judge those, those other players. Um, at any rate, all right, I've heard enough. Perch, uh, <laughs> aside from Marcus Peters, anybody else you might consider here at 22 who you think will be available? I mean, I'll play the game, and then I know which two are going to go with it. But uh, we, I would throw out which pass rusher is there between Shane Ray, Randy Gregory, Bud Dupree, and Ola Adigzue. Um, would, 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 would you take any of those guys over Peters? Hell no, but I'm going to just throw it out there. And I mean, you're the you're the GM, so that, I'm kind of going through the drill here. Those are the uh, four edge rushers I might have some level of interest in in the first round if the draft fell that way. Um, you know, Ray being probably first to that group. Uh, again, just depending on who's there. But if Marcus Peters is on the board, I'm going to be banging the table for Marcus Peters. Yeah, and I mean, you know, guys, uh, I've. Been on the market train for a while now. And Todd Haley's going to be dreaming about getting banged by Marcus Peters as I watch. So. <laughs> Still not on the Todd Haley bandwagon, huh? Uh, just no. uh, round one for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, we're we're running to the Hello, Marcus Peters. Yeah, we're we're going to go with Marcus Peters, uh, and it would not be a shock to anybody. Uh, cornerback Marcus Peters with our round one pick. Round two. Round two, uh, I'm not sure who will be there and who won't. Uh, I have, you know, somewhat of an – I think we all, you know, somewhat of an idea. But based on uh, what we think is around, uh, I'll start with you, Perch, this time for uh, for defense. You think you think Nate Orchard's going to be there, huh? I mean, it's 50-50 to me. I think he's definitely going somewhere between picks 40 and 60 whether he makes it or not, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give you the names and you tell me if they're there or not, but uh, Preston Smith, uh, Nate Orchard, and Eli Harrod will be the three edge rushers that I would look at in round two. You think okay. Any Here, of- here's what I think. I think uh, Preston Smith is definitely gone. Me too. And I think uh, Nate Orchard is, I just feel like he's one of those cats that has like so much, you know, you're going to find two or three teams that have him really high, is my guess, and one of them is going to take him before our pick. Um, but I will say, based on everything, all available information, Nate Orchard is available, uh, and so is Eli Harold. That's okay. what I would say. Now, I'm going to look back to defensive back again before we move on. Is Eric Rowe on the board? Uh, Eric Rowe is on the is on the board. Okay. Um, Actually, I'm sorry. Let me, let me go back for a second. Eli Harold not available. Nate Orchard is. Eric Rowe is. I'm okay. Eric Rowe is my guy. I'm going to excel at you. Is uh, we've got uh, we, we've got need for two long outside corners and a potential free safety. You know, we'll let those guys sort themselves out. But Eric Rowe is either a starting corner or a starting free safety for us by year two. And uh, basically, with two draft picks, I just fix the entire secondary. So that's uh, that's where I'm at. My guy is Eric Rowe. All right. I, and I don't mean to be waffling on you. FC, what do you think? Do you think Eric Rowe goes long before – is it like a close call or is he go long going before our second round pick? I think it's going to be is a that, close call. And I, I actually think he might be there. Okay. Well, then, uh, then I'm willing to listen to that. You would take him over Nate Orchard, though, huh, Perch? I would. I still would Perch, yeah, but I would as yeah. well. For the exact reasons that Perch just gave you. I either just filled in my two starting corners or I just gave you a starting corner and a starting free safety. 
Yeah. All right. Well, what about the offensive side of the ball? You know, do your due diligence. Hit me with somebody. I'll throw a name at you that may not be on your radar. Devin Smith. Yeah, because I think he's a better all-around receiver. They barely used him at Ohio State. I feel like he has that sort of toughness in the red zone, and he's also, you know, going to be a deep threat. He's phenomenal. I don't think he's going to be there. Okay. You can believe that. But, yeah, I think he's a phenomenal player. Um, I thought you were going to actually comment me with Donovan Smith from Penn State. Ah. He's rising. Oh, I'm a fan, but I don't – if I thought for a second he could stay at left tackle, I would try to make the argument. I think he's going to be a left guard and one hell of a left guard in the NFL because his movement skills are pretty damn good. But uh, I'm sitting here trying to think of an offensive player that I would like try to bang the table for literally over row or orchard if you would go that route. And I honestly can't come up with one. I really yeah. can't. Really, my only question for this exercise is just is, is Roe available or not? But I, you know, I mean, I'm looking at CBS. It says they say 38. Um, you know, in past years, I would have eliminated him, and I just unfortunately I hadn't looked at the latest uh, list there because he's a guy. Where does CBS have Demarius Randall? I don't. I, I'm not sure if it's Darnarius or Demarius Randall from Arizona State. Demarius for free safety. 41. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you think Demarius Randall's gone, then I'm. Unfortunately, Perch, I'm sorry, I'm going to backtrack and say Eric Rowe's not available. I think we'd all agree we would take him if he were available for the second-round pick, but I'm going to say his draft stock is, like, crazy. He's a hot name right now. Uh, I'm not even sure that he is worthy as a cornerback of being a first-round pick, but he might go. Um, let, let's – hmm, tough call. Let's say he's not there because we got, we got corners later in the draft. So let's say Eric Rowe's gone. Apologize. Uh, for the the runaround, but uh, that changes your your mind, Perch. He just went right before the Steelers picked. So, what about uh, Jalen Collins and Byron Jones? Uh, those guys are those guys going to? Uh, Byron Jones, yes. He, at the moment, Byron Jones is projected to be a first round pick. Uh, yeah. Jalen Collins, uh, I think. Just looking through here, uh, Collins. I look it up. Um, Sixty four. He will be available, oh. Oh. According, according to this. So we have Nate Orchard at 63 and Jalen Collins at 64. That's, that's uh, I think, what's going to come down to for you. But, Persh, you're, you're Keith Butler. You're, you're new. You tell me. Um, Your reputation is going to be staked on this player, just so you I know. Will, uh, I will go with Nate Orchard there. Yeah. FC, you got any comments about the defensive side of the ball? Who would you take out of those two? We just took Marcus um, Peters. Don't forget. Yeah. Oh wow. I really. I'm. How is that, Stuart? Fury, you bastards. Be so sick and tired of hearing me talk about Jalen Collins. I really like him, but I also really like Nate Orchard. I'm gonna stick with my defensive coordinator, Perch, and I would go with Orchard too, because we're yeah. uh, we're say, a unified fucking team. Yeah, I say this. I say this, guys. I'm uh, I'm gonna trust you on Nate Orchard. I'm, uh, you know, I have some risk concern. For him, uh, you know, I feel like if, if he really had the tools that NFL teams are looking for, somebody might would take him in the first round because it's such a valuable commodity and I'm a little, little dangerous to take the leftovers. But I'm going to go with you. Uh, I like the player, so I can't argue too much. Nate Orchard is our second-round pick. So we picked Marcus Peters, one. Nate Orchard, two. That brings us to round three. Um, you know, that gets a little harder now to figure out who's available. But I'll, I'll start with UFC on the offensive side. 
who should be available round three. You figure round three for the series you're going to be picking, you're going to be looked in 90 range. Yep. Um, Seven. I, I, I really – this is uh, – I got talked on to, to checking this player out over time because I hated Oklahoma. But Darrell Williams, who started at left tackle, moved over to right tackle because Thompson couldn't play – Tyrus Thompson couldn't play left tackle. Darrell Williams, Oklahoma, massive, 6'5", and three-quarters, 325. He tested well. He's smart. He's got good good character. And I, the thing that I like most about him is the position flexibility and the willingness to be a member of the the move from left tackle in college. That's going to affect your draft in he volunteered to do it to make it better. Um, offensive lineman, it's all about working as a unit, being cohesive. Um, so I'll throw out. That I and what about? Consider. I was just going to say, what about the uh, you know sort of receiver running back thing? That's a wild card for us in this draft. You have uh, at that spot maybe uh, you know Trey McBride. Uh, uh, who else are we looking at there? Justin Hardy, Buck Allen, uh, you know, maybe maybe something like that. Any of those back, players appeal to with, you? With the ones going early, I think that I'd be more comfortable maybe looking to address um, wide sure. receiver. You're gonna there's really value in the third round. I think you're gonna see you know the Rashard Greens. Devin Smiths and the Philip Dorsets come off the board in the middle second round, and then I think you have a fall off. Trey McBride from William & Mary, I love. The question is, is he going to be able to beat the NFL coverage? Chris Conley from University of Georgia, I don't think he's going to get a push up into the third round. Coming into the combine, I thought he was a four, six-ish guy. I watched him play every game at Georgia. It was a pro's pro, where he was going to make his niche, you know, running routes, and, you know, with hands, a little bit like Andre Hastings. Chris Conley puts up that 40, puts up those jumps. You know, how much do you move him up? Do you move him up into the 95 to 100? Yeah, I mean, I'm. I think there's less risk with Daryl Williams because, like we were talking with Collins, Daryl Williams, I think. Left tackle. I think I know you can play him at right tackle. Hundred percent. I'm ninety five percent sure they can play left tackle, and I'm a hundred percent sure that he can be full left guard. This in twenty months in the pen, so we got to make sure he's not as mobile as he once was. We've got to protect him. We've got to keep him upright because we don't got a fucking another of a quarterback on this roster. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's one thing we do not have is another quarterback. Uh, Perch. Tell me about the defensive side of the ball here. This would be the spot for um, Alex Carter, uh, Frank Clark, which I don't know. Apparently, you know, his red flags were cleared by teams at the Combine, supposedly, um, said to be not an issue uh, for them. Uh, Cody Cody Pruitt, Henry Anderson, yeah, Stankwiz Golden. That's, that's about the three names that I've got here is uh, 
From the defensive line, Henry Anderson, the game is still one in the trenches. We've got pretty good starters, no depth. I mean, he'd be a nice depth pick. Steven Nelson's just a battler and a competitor. He's going to be, you know, he'll improve the secondary right away. And then uh, safety, I'll throw your guy at you, Jaquiski Tart, uh, strong safety. Uh, he can come into the mix and, and uh, get into that battle. Cody Pruitt would be another. Uh, my two favorites of that group uh, would be Steven Nelson and Henry Anderson, and I'll leave it up to you to decide. Wow. That is a parade of riches on the defensive side at that spot, isn't it? Literally, that, there's a few game five guys I'd be totally happy to take at that spot. Um, wow. Um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll go with one of the two that Perch suggested, but FC, just quickly on Jaquiski Tart, you, you may have seen a little more of him than I did. He's, you know, kind of from more in your region. Yep. I, to me, I, I see that kid, and I see Steve Atwater. My, my question is, you know, would Steve Atwater be a big star in the NFL 2015? If Steve Atwater could keep it in the legal strength, it, it was every bit as dominating of a player as he was at Arkansas and he was later on for the Denver Broncos. I, 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 he's just... He's nasty, you know. The the question is, at 221 pounds, can he open those hips and run with an Antonio Brown in a little bit of space if he has to? I I love the player. I mean, went to Little Sanford College right here, and he was a wrecking ball. And uh, you know, I I I love the player. I um, but question is is. We got Mike Mitchell, who's a strong safety, regardless of him playing free safety. We got Shamarco Thomas, who's a strong safety, no chance of playing free safety. Are we? Is this? Are is this going to be like right pool where we have three right tackles on the roster? And you know, <laughs> I love Kelvin Beecham, you know. Um, but yeah, he's not your classic left tackle. I I I love Tart. I'm just do, if if you feel that Mike Mitchell. Or Shamarco Thomas can play free safety, then I'm all about Jaquiski Tart. If you question that they do, you have to step back and say to yourself, "This could be the third, the strong fourth strong safety we have on the roster with Will Allen, who we just resigned." Yeah, well, that you, that's the that would be the argument against Perch. I'm I'm struggling with this. I'll, I'll say this: I I love Stephen Nelson's game. Not only that, as we FC talked about in the earlier segment. Um, you know, as a fit goes, to me, Steven Nelson might fit what the Steelers do, at least what they've traditionally done with their corners. He fits it as well as anybody in this draft. Um, so I'm inclined to go with him. I just he, My concern is if I pass on Henry Anderson right now, yeah. I don't know what kind of options we have later in the draft. Well, yeah, that, that's something that you've got to decide there, but uh, the game is still one of the trenches. You know, you've got no depth on the defensive line. We've already got Marcus Peters, so we've got – we think at least three solid corners and potential to draft another one later. Henry Anderson might make a little more sense there. Yeah. I mean, as much as I've uh, avowed my love for Steven Nelson and he fits perfectly, I think with the way it's fallen, I mean, okay, one last question and I'll, and I'll, I'll let FC weigh on on this because this is his kind of question. Um, if we're drafting for depth for defensive line, that's so, sort of, you know, rules out taking a really raw guy late in the draft. Because, you know, to me, there's like, you know, there's uh, there's a, your guy that you pointed out to me, Tory Slater. There's, uh, you know, uh, what's his name, Rodney? Um, Gunter. Forgot. Gunter. There's Todd yeah. Lyons. You know, they've got, you've got three or four guys late in the draft 
who are who are you know six five, six four, three hundred some pounds, all move like you know dancing bears, all have a potential of being a good you know trainable body to put in there. But you know you really need somebody to play this year, or else you're looking at Cam Thomas again, right? Right. Yeah. You, you yeah, can I use. Think, uh, I think the only two options that you, three options for three four defensive and five technique that could step in and place your here. Wait, hang on. We lost okay. you for a second there, but sorry. Uh, no problem. Back, Myself. Back up. Um, I think you have three options for five techniques that I really feel could go on the field and play this year. Push the shove. Henry Anderson's one. Eric Armstead would be the first one from the University of Oregon. He's going to be a first-round pick. Henry Anderson from Stanford. Corey Crawford from Clemson would be the third. Corey Crawford's a little bit more of a super, maybe more of a fifth round guy, but I if I'm a fan, I hear one of these names called. At this point, I'd much rather hear Henry Anderson in the third because I know what I'm getting. I know at the very worst, I in opinion, I'm getting a. Brick Kiesel is a very fair comparison. I don't want to say the bottom end because it takes away from Brett Kiesel, but he has that type of motor and that type of work ethic and that type of athleticism. I think you're going to get someone between Aaron Smith and Brett Kiesel and Henry Anderson. And my problem with um, with Corey Crawford from Clemson, who I'm a humongous fan of, is you could end up with someone between Jeremy Stapp or Ziggy Hood that just doesn't fit the defense. Stat washed out went on to the military and is a great American. I'm not being on him, but someone more like a Ziggy Hood where his best fit is that 4-3-3 technique. But Corey Crawford just flashes, you know, signs of potential of being an outstanding five technique. All right. Well, you guys, you guys did a great job of laying it all out. This is one of the tougher choices I think I've ever had in any round, but I'm going to take Henry Anderson. Um, defensive lineman from Stanford here in, in three. I don't think he's available in four. I do think there are some corners later in the draft. As much as I would like to bolster even more of the secondary, uh, I think we're, I think we're going to find one. Uh, so Henry Anderson is a choice, but that was hard. <laughs> Maybe it's because I watched so much more film this year that like, I, you know, I have a more appreciation for more players or something that like you guys normally do. Um, we go to round five. Uh, Perch, we'll start with you on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we've we've been pretty defense heavy so far in this draft, but uh, what do you got for me in round? Uh, I'm sorry, did I say round five? Round, round four. four. Well, I'm going to look first to the safety position. I'll throw some names. You tell me if they're there. But uh, Adrian Amos, Clayton Gethers, and Curtis Drummond are the three that I'm kind of targeting in this sort of range. Yeah, I think uh, I believe that all three of them are available. Um, let me just double check here one second. It was, it was Adri- Adrian Amos. Yeah. Curtis, um, Curtis Drummond and Clayton Gathers are the three. Okay. A- Amos. Is, uh, yeah. Amos, I think might be a chance he's gone. Gathers available. And the third guy was, uh, uh, Curtis Drummond right? from Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, Drummond, I think is going to be available. Let's see. Tell me about him, uh, Perch. Yeah, they're both both those. The other two safeties are available. Amos is gone. He's gone to some. He's gone to Seattle or Philadelphia as a corner. That's what that's the talk now. Is they're, they're they they fit his. He fits their their um whatever their formula is that they like to have for their corners. Anyway, go ahead, Perch. 
Yeah, I mean, those were the two guys I'd be looking at there. We, you know, definitely there's, you know, I don't know if they have a great, a good starter uh, on staff right now for safety. Either of the two positions, they definitely don't have any depth. Um, you know, Clayton Gethers is more of a, a tough guy. Another big hitter would be a nice, nice depth guy. It's strong safety in, in case Marco Thomas gets injured again or is a bust at that spot. But he'd be a, he'd be a pretty safe one there. Drummond is a heady player that I think would be a, a nice uh, safety valve depth guy at free safety. So th- those are the two I would throw at you. So Perch Gethers, you see him as somebody that could play free? No, strong. He's a strong, right? So we're, but we're, our problem is once again, we're all, we're all, uh, we got so many, we got three strong safeties. <laughs> um, if you, if you draft him, I love Gethers. I think we're all in the same boat. We love the player. I just, I'm not sure. I mean, do you think stepping aside, uh, for a second perch, do you think the Steelers are going to take a strong safety in this draft? They're bringing in the number one rated strong safety today in uh, Landon Collins is, is in Pittsburgh right now. So uh, it's, they obviously have some level of interest there. Um, but I, you know, I get the, it depends who falls and how their board stacks up. I think if the right players are sure they would take one. Yeah. I mean, realize, I mean, Will Allen can't be around forever. They have no idea what they have in Shamarco Thomas you at least need a backup just in case, you know, in case something happens to either of those guys. So uh, we're getting to that point of the draft. You just kind of take best player available and, and fill whatever needs you have. Sure. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's table that for a second. FC, tell me about the offensive side of the ball here. I'm going to give you two options. Um, first option is Chris Conley from the University of Georgia. Everybody, he's a wide receiver. Everyone's seen the combine. He's far more than that. I'm going to give you the downside real quick. He's had two major knee operations. The plus side, after his two major knee operations, still ran sub 4-4. He jumped out of the building. Second option I'm going to give you is Mike Davis from South Carolina. South Carolina had absolutely zero quarterback play. I understand Mike Davis' brother, James Davis, watched out of the NFL. They're far different players. Mike is very similar to Le'Veon Bell in the passing game, where he's an outstanding blocker, outstanding receiver. You can line him up in this slot. Um, good runner, not great, but the reason that he didn't look great in South Carolina's offensive line this year was way overrated. Um, if, if I had to bang my shoe on the desk for one of these players, I'll bang my shoe on the desk for Chris Conley. And the reason I would is the, the Stewarts have had great success. Players out of University of Georgia, Chris Conley is, you know, uh, already got his master's degree. Um, was president at the University of Georgia, outstanding on the field, and uh, I what I describe his football character. He'll absolutely destroy you if he has the opportunity on the football field, catching the ball, outrunning you, or block. And on this team, does he a guy that you see being a number two guy? Is he a number three guy eventually? What you know? What is what role is he fit on this team? With the way the NFL is going, I think that he could fill in the one, two, or three. He can play flanker or, you know, he'll kick, or he possibly be a kick returner. He'll, you know, guy that you need, Buster. You know, he may never, you know, five years ago, whoever thought Brown was going to end up being the best wide receiver in the NFL or a top three in the NFL. I see Chris Conley with that type of upside and that type of potential 
because I think the University of Georgia is one of the most poorly coached football teams in college football. I've been for as long as Joe Curry's been they get the least out of the most talent in college football. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue that too much. Um, one guy you didn't mention, Matt Jones. Are you a Matt Jones fan, the running back from Florida? The reason I'm not a Matt Jones fan for those especially is because of the character. Um, it's, he, he had problems with two sets of coaching, the work ethic type thing, and I could see him being up to 250 pounds real easily. I see. Uh, but uh, Jeff Ironman from the tight end from Ohio State. What's that, FC? Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm here. Somebody, somebody from Ohio State, I didn't. Jeff Ironman, oh, the tight end. Oh, Jeff Hireman from Titan from Ohio State. Yeah. I, I have other ideas for a little bit later in the draft. With, with Jeff Hireman, the, the thing that that you don't know is uh, he plays with a serious leg injury all year. So the lack of separation skills is, or ability, is that because he was injured or is it just because, well, he's not athletic? I mean, he tries. He's a try-hard blocker. You know, at the end of the day, are you getting another Jeremy Tooman with him? And, you know, how happy were you with Jeremy Tooman as a Steeler? Yeah, my my comparison was Herman to me is like slightly better than, uh, you know, Paulson and uh, and Blanchflower, like if an offensive, you know, player that can make some plays on offense but isn't necessarily uh, dynamic in any, you know, all-around kind of phase. That's that's what I would say. Uh, that would be harsh. Um I have a question, though, Perch and FC. I'll start with you, Perch. Um, you know, we talked about the Steelers just need football players. They need more football players. I, I, I'm going to throw a guy at you at this point in the in the draft who is best described as a football player. Like, okay, I'm a, I'm a musician, right? I played the piano and other – I play guitar and all kinds of stuff. But I never was really a virtuoso at anything. You know, I'm a pretty good piano player these days, whatever. But – I, this guy is not necessarily a great wide receiver, and he's not necessarily a great cornerback. I know, though, he's a really good football player, um, and I think you know where I'm going with this. This is uh, Tony Lippett from Michigan State, who played a little bit of both. Um, I don't know, Perch. Tell me why not to select a guy like that. Same reason I told you last week. If a guy has two positions, he really doesn't have any. He has so, none. What if, I don't think he's going to, you know – Five years down the line, we're going to try to remember this guy's name because we're going to forget who he was. I don't yeah, think he's a you... wide receiver. I don't think he's going to stick a corner. You know, he's a circus circus trick. Like, uh, Drew Archer from the third round last year, you he, he don't have a real position for him. He's jack of all trades, master of none. I just think he's going to wash out. But, but FC, uh, my argument, my counter to that would be, you know, you have J.R. Sweezy, who's probably the best lineman that Seattle has, who was a defensive tackle, you know, talking about maybe switching um you have Richard Sherman you know from obviously from the same team that a team like that seems to be willing to like see what a guy can be and not necessarily what they are uh maybe we don't have time to do that with what Ben's window is like but do you like do you like the player at all or are you like perched I'm I'm leaning a little bit more towards perch the porch perch's you know viewpoint and the reason is is I, you, you have to have physicality, and I just don't see it. You know, um, 
I, 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 I'm all for, you know, transitions or finding people and moving them into more, you know, positions of better need. Jim Jensen with the Miami Dolphins, who was uh, a quarterback that went on to be a, a very successful H-back for, for the Dolphins. I, you know, I just, I don't, I don't see it happening, you know, and I, and I, I just don't see the transition being successful. So I would probably pass too. Okay. So uh, just to re- recap, FC Tyrus Thompson was the guy that you were, you were throwing out here, right? Correct. No. Um, in this round would be Chris Conley. I'd be throwing oh, out there. I think Thompson will. I forgot. Yeah, I think Thompson will. Right. Thompson will be off the board. Yeah, I don't the think the other tackle you liked. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, no. I I liked uh, Mike Davis, the running back from South Carolina. Even though we signed D'Angelo Williams, uh, Dry Archer's more useless than fits on a bull. And you know, I really Josh Harris. I'm not a a big fan of. Okay, and Perch, your your guy that you really narrowed it down to for me was who? Clayton Gathers, I think, is where I was at. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll go with Chris Conley. Um, it wasn't. I wouldn't have come into this draft thinking that that was the guy I was going to take, but I sort of feel like the wide receiver and, and running back talent. It's a, a sort of an opportunity thing. It's like whoever happens to be available. I, you know, Chris Conley might. Uh, he has a chance, I think, to be a contributor in the red zone, which is something for the Steelers, even if it's a role player position that could make a big difference. They they don't just need one guy to do that. It's like the corner position. They need multiple red zone players. So uh, color me for, for Chris Conley. Um, let's move to round five, if you will. Uh, in round five, I just to let you know off, right off the bat that uh, Bobby, Mc, Bobby McCain is available at corner. Darrell Eskridge uh, available and um, and there's a certain guard from West Virginia FC who is available here. Mark Lewis, so maybe that's I'll make my I'll you just made my offensive fight for me and there it is. Uh, Mark Lewinsky, Pittsburgh area kid. Um, I I I just love. I mean, Warrior. He played tackle at West Virginia. It's living guard. I think that he has the feet and the length that he might be able to swing out the left tackle in a pinch. If I had to compare him to a players that people would be familiar with in the NFL, um, Eric Steinbach, who played for the Cincinnati Bengals, or um, Todd Hermanis, who played for the Philadelphia Eagles um, over the last 10 or 15 years, the difference between the two of them, uh, or uh, the, the thing that makes Glowinski unique is he's absolutely vicious and ferocious. He's just got that Pittsburgh nasty western Pennsylvania yeah, kick you in the teeth. And uh, I love him. <laughs> One of my favorite okay. players in this draft. And anybody else? Uh, not, not that we're going that, to take him, but that we should know about here. We're going uh, to be gone. This is this is where you may have some consideration for tight ends. You know, you, you Michael Pruitt. Regardless, he's going to be gone by the fifth round. Gerald Christian's more of a sixth round pick. I don't see any tackles here. Um, the running backs are going to be, you know, so this this picked over at this point. Maybe Titus Davis from uh, Central Michigan, same school that Antonio Brown went to. The reason he does everything great well, but he's not the best hands catcher. He He's more of a body catcher. I think that you can work on his hands, um, but from a route I running love, and a compete, go ahead. I love the player, so yeah. Yeah. Um, That's all I was going to say. 
Glowinski and Titus Davis. I understand we just took a wide receiver, so Davis is going to be out. I would bang my, my shoe real hard for Glowinski. Let's face facts. The Steelers need a lot of help on defense. <laughs> so I understand this is going to be a defensive-oriented draft. And I would turn this over now to Mr. Butler Perch and let him make <laughs> arguments for a defensive player that might be more needed. Although, you know, Perch slash Butler would be the first to tell you that it's that you take the best players available, not necessarily to fill your positional needs. Right, Perch? Absolutely. <laughs> All uh, right, so who, who are we looking at on defense? Well, Keith Butler got fat on pecan pie in his first three rounds, so he's a little bit more mellow now. But uh, looking at corners, uh, maybe Jacoby Glenn is, is still hanging out there around this point. And just to throw a monkey wrench into the old uh, GM uh, equation here. I'm going to throw out Ryan Delaire, outside linebacker, and like, let you <laughs> let you stew it. For a <laughs> You're just trying to make it hard for me, aren't you? That's what so, Well, here's the, here's the thing. Uh, you know, FC, you weren't around to talk about this last week. Ryan Delaire, do you think? Well, let's put this. Let me put you this way. Ryan Delaire, Shaq Riddick, are they both going to be available next round? Six rounds. Yeah. I'd say neither one of them is going to be. Whenever you get done with comp picks, after Delaire showed what he showed at his pro day, somebody's going to roll the dice and take a chance. Sure. You, think you know, I I, I, mean, I definitely think somebody will take a chance. Yeah, I mean, I can, I mean you know, Mike, when you look at those measurables, when you look at the measurables, and I understand that he's not at the Marcus Ware, you know, but when you look at those measurables, you look at the athleticism, and then you look at the actual numbers he put up on film. I don't care you're playing NAI football. That's going to get your attention. Yeah. Well, he also, you know, he, he does most typify that sort of bend, you know, that thing where it's like they make, they cut the corner short, bend up and under the guy, come around the corner. Like if that's what your classic pass rusher is supposed to look like, edge rusher, um, you know, he, he does that pretty damn well. I, I don't he know. He does that really more- damn well. What he he's does, more of a pursuit does. guy in the rain, though, right? I mean, he's a pursuit guy against the run, not necessarily a guy that He chases the, the ball. You're right, but he can hold the point. And the one thing that makes him different than these guys that just run the arc or do the dip is he actually has the length and the strength in his hands that he can actually attack a tackle back to the inside or across his face. And that's the one thing that he showed me on film that immediately got me interested. I understand. Uh, uh, as a 3-4 outside linebacker, if he's playing on the right or left side, the only thing he has to avoid doing is getting hooked or basically blown three or four yards off the ball. He has the length to avoid being hooked, and I think that he does have the sand in his pants enough to be able to hold up, you know, for a moment or two or three against an offensive tackle at the point of attack. You, well, I'm not going to jump on a B2B state player just to jump on a B2B state player. He actually has the ability to play the game. It's He's just not one of these workout warriors, and I'm not saying that you like them. But, you know, you see these numbers that jump off the paper. You, you've got to be able to perform at the actual sport. And he actually, not against the highest level of competition, he showed me the ability to make plays. Although, to be fair, he did he did make some plays against, you know, better competition. He looked very good he against did. Virginia, I thought. Yeah, um, Perch. Let me ask you a question. Speaking of West Virginia, um, you know, one thing about the reason I mentioned Shaq Riddick in this comparison with Ryan Dallaire is they both played uh, on the left defensive side, the left defensive edge in college. You know, so it's it's not as if 
if they're if what we're really looking for is a right side or left side uh, pass rusher to complement other guys that we have that may be easier to find. I don't know. How do you feel about Shaq Riddick? We didn't really talk about him last week. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I I, I think he's uh, yeah he was miscast a bit, but he's got a lot of he's a project. He's a seventh round or undrafted free agent sort of a project in my book. So. I, I would like Glinsky, You know what you're going to get. He's a you know a solid football player that could plug in right away. Uh, Riddick, I think he's a project for a few years down the line, and he may never get it. All right, and then something to keep in mind, guys, is that we picked Nate Orchard already in this draft. I forgot, totally forgot. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, or did we? We did, yeah. right? Yes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he was a second round pick. Oh boy, that makes it tough. I love Ryan Delaire. Um, I mean, me personally. I would draft right. You know, if I were running the operation, I would assume that Jarvis Jones is never going to be that kind of uh, pass rusher, and that he's going to be more of a role player. Uh, and in that case, I would definitely draft him. I mean, the problem is that I don't think that's. I'm not sure. I guess that's a better question. Is there a chance the Steelers double dip at edge rusher? Based on you know, they have Lemon that they that they liked enough to bring in. They have Jarvis Jones who they spent a first round pick on. They have Nate Orchard that they just spent a second-round pick on, and they have Ryan Motes. It sounds like it's pretty crowded there. Like, is there room for another guy that really like him? I mean, it, it, you, yeah, if you do the math, they're not going to keep more than four or five. So we had another one. Somebody somebody of note is going to get cut. So, um, yeah, if we, if we had another one, I wouldn't do it in the fifth round. All right, one last question, then I will decide. I'm sorry to belabor the point. FC, offensive lineman Pasklowinski. Uh, anybody that's going to be really worth considering that's a fit, that's, uh, you know, the third-day guy? Because Kulminski, to me, is a great value for a fourth-round pick. I'm, I'm inclined is, to go that he way. He really is. Um, there's not a player after Glowinski who I think is one of the most underrated players in this draft that I would even consider adding, even as a project, because – it's we're not at the point with Ben at 32 years of age where we can't have projects. We need to have solid football players, you know, to protect them. And, you know, with the Mike Adams and the Marcus Gilbert horrible contract, you know, the, if, if you would tell me that Kelvin Beecham probably is the most consistent, reliable player on our offensive line, you would have told me this a year or two ago, I'd have laughed at you, especially at left tackle. But, he continues to get the job done and in a pretty effective manner. So, no, you're not going to hear another offensive lineman mentioned by me um, after Glowinski. So that's what I think. I mean, in, in my opinion, this is the last offensive lineman that is draftable. All right. Well, I think just just numbers game, uh, we've got to take Glowinski here. Um, I think we do need it, – it would, it would be a mistake to – that we're content with our offensive line because they performed pretty well last year. I think we, we're going to have to try to get better, uh, and, and that means you know adding depth and hoping that some of those depth guys can eventually be better players. So as much as I love Ryan Dallaire, I think it's a little bit of a luxury um, with the situation there, and you have to let the Jarvis-Jones thing play out, and you have to let your other guys, you have to trust that your depth is going to be enough for right now. Blah, taking a, a offensive guard Mark Lewinsky from West Virginia with the fifth round pick sixth round guys sixth round almost home we got two picks here first pick in the sixth round uh Perch what do you got for me on defense 
Looking back to go back to corner, um, we still, uh, you know, we lost a guy in the off season. We added uh, Marcus Peters so far. I'll throw out uh, Daryl Roberts from Marshall, a guy who just tested off the charts athletically. We've seen him play, play a few times, and he was uh, basically the shutdown guy for Marshall. Uh, that's the first guy, and then I'm going to take some shots at home runs at safety. Um, I don't know if Jerrod Holliman's still on the board. This is kind of the area where you can draft him and he's a bust and you can cut him in the first, uh, very first season you have him, or maybe he, you know, once had a tackle and it was a, a medical issue. But I'll lump him in with uh, Anthony Harris, who may still be there too. Both of those guys are very similar, uh, not very physical, very good ball skills, good speed. Just kind of a, a you know swinging for the fences. I, I'm perfectly okay if I strike out on either of those guys. Uh, just I want to take a chance. So those are the three players I'm looking at: Daryl Roberts, Anthony Harris, and Gerard Holliman. Okay, uh, FC. What do you got for me on offense? Um, Le'Veon Bell. He's going to be out. So I I, I think this is a, a good point to address running back. Give you. Uh, Four names. Uh, I tend to find value late in for running backs right around the sixth or seventh round. First I'm going to give you is Carlos Williams from Florida State. Big back, ran well, had a couple concussions at Florida State. Um, solid in pass pro, not a very good uh, pass catcher. So, and the surprising is, is he came in as the number two rated quarter in the country, and he can't catch the football. Second option I'm going to give you is uh, Trey Williams from Texas A&M, smaller back, five foot six, 200 pounds. He um, gives you what Trey, uh, Dry Archer was supposed to give you in a bigger block. He's a legitimate 200 pounds, and he's also um, faster than Dry Archer, which is surprising. Um, he had a few run-ins with uh, with Kevin Sumlin at uh, Texas A&M. He, does, he is not very well suited for a spread offense. He loves to run behind two tight ends or a fullback. That's the Steelers' running game. And the third option I'm going to give you a running back is John Crockett from North Dakota State, who I feel if he played – Anywhere else, if you play a Division One program, a school like Purdue or Minnesota, that he would be a third or fourth round pick. Um, elite vision. He's in build and stature and way of playing is very similar to Le'Veon Bell. And he also has a vision like Le'Veon Bell does. He's a good, you know, get up the field. Uh, not as good in the passing game, but with the hands. He's very similar to Le'Veon Bell. And uh, and the, I'm, I'm sorry, the last back that I'm going to give you is Terrence McGee from LSU who got, a, got stuck behind Lawrence Fournette, who was the number one running back in the country. He's 5'8", he's 2'15", and he reminds me a little bit of Barry Foster. If I had to push hard one of these backs, I probably would push hard surprisingly for Terrence McGee from LSU because I think he is going to be the best ball carrier, carrier of the ball, best change of pace, Le'Veon Bell. And he's not great in the passing game, but Le'Veon Bell is. So, not going to, you know, 
your second back is really not going to be in on, you know, passing situations when you have Le'Veon Bell on the roster. And, I mean, you, you do actually have, you know, a couple of years at least of, uh, you know, a backup, quarter, a backup running back that they just signed uh, from right. Carolina, correct? So. D'Angelo, D'Angelo Williams, who, I'm, who I am a fan of. You know, but yeah. he's three or four really games. Yeah. yeah, he'll be three or four games, and hopefully that's Le'Veon Bell will be getting back and, you know, knock on wood, he won't be Fortunately, we don't have him back on the roster. I don't trust Josh Harris. I think that me and Perch would take joy in beating Dry Archer with a wiffle ball bat at this point. <laughs> well, he's a kid. That's the appropriate thing to do. Um, all right, so to narrow it down, you're saying McGee from LSU. Anybody else you want to let me continue to consider here? Um, I would say McGee from LSU. I know you. I know that you like top I'm sorry, yeah. you lost me. For, I lost. I lost. I'm you. sorry. Sorry about that. I I, I know that you like uh, the super freak act. That would be Trey Williams. So the two backs I give you would be Josh McGee from uh, LSU, or or excuse me, Terrence. Trey Williams from Texas A&M. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and Perch, what do we got on the other side? Oh, let's it's see. Two, two, you, you said the two safeties in the corner, but uh, yeah, Daryl Robinson would be the guy that I would probably target. I'd probably, if it was me, I would probably take Darryl Marshall. Daryl yeah. Roberts from Marshall. Yeah, the yes, Marshall. Sold. How about this? I'm the offense coordinator. Sold. Okay, and. Uh, how about uh, Vince Williams' little brother for running back? What do you say? That's our two six-rounders? And Carlos Williams? Yeah. yeah. I'm perfectly. I'd be beyond thrilled with it. Yeah, I'm actually – I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of down with the idea of uh, Williams that's growing on me. Um, I, I could buy that. I have a question about the corner situation. I like Daryl Roberts a lot. I like the way he plays. He's a little bit small. Um, and I, 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 So my question was going to be, I think I'm willing to, to, to go with those two picks. I guess my question, Perch, is... You know, so he's uh, uh, like 5'11", like almost 200 pounds. I, I think that's perfectly average size. If, no, no, Daryl Roberts is about 188. He's about one, yeah, he's about 187, I was going to say, yeah, 188. Okay, um, I thought it was like 197. Let me just quickly throw a couple names out that I know are interesting to me that are, that are uh, going to be later than this for a corner. If none of them have any interest to any of you guys, I'm going to go with the... Daryl Roberts, but I just want to, you know, due diligence, right? So Trey yeah. Walker is a, the, the guy from Texas Southern. He's six two, one ninety one. Um, you know, he's a, you know, really very physical player. Long is the, you know, the obviously thing for him would be level of competition. Um, also, uh, I'll throw in this mix. Um, uh, Gary Peters from Clemson, who I think can play a little bit, uh, and maybe I'll even throw in. Uh, Saquon Edwards from New Mexico, who I guess was cleared of all of his, he was he was accused of sexual assault, but it wasn't him apparently. Yes. But um, you know, those to me are guys that that can play. I love Dale Roberts and everything that he brings. I'm just making I'm just making sure that these other guys are not worth considering. You guys want have anything to say about it? Anybody? Anything? Let me put it this way: um, if if I had a person play West Virginia the last two years, go watch him play. There, I mean. Flat out football player. If you want, yeah, like I said, if you want, to, if you went to pit, you're probably talking two rounds. If you went to Clemson, you're talking two rounds higher. You wouldn't be talking about him in the six. You'd be talking about him in the maybe third. And yeah. Okay. Small school players. 
Perfect. Yep, and I, you know, I've, I have no problem. I love, uh, I like Daryl Roberts. His, his, uh, his cut-ups and his games are, he looks, he looks like a terrific football player. And we, we need football players taking Daryl Roberts. And uh, so you guys, I mean, just uh, for, once again, due diligence on the running backs, we're not, there's nobody coming after this that we still like, right? This is pretty much end of the road. I'd, I'd, I'd be very good with Carlos Williams. I think, I think the Steeler Nation would would be happy with Trey Williams. Yeah, um, just with what we've got, a lot of people love Vince Williams, but we don't have a harder worker on our team. We don't have a coach yeah. trying to get better, and that I like that, you know. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm I'm uh, at this point in the draft, and considering that we're looking for somebody maybe to add you know, something different as a role player. Um, yeah, fine. You guys beat the table. Both of you are in. I'm in. Trey Williams is our sixth uh, comp round. Carlos pick. Williams. I'm sorry, Carlos Williams. Sorry. I had the wrong guy. Yeah, yeah. I screwed you up with Trey Williams from Texas and I'm sorry. That's okay. Carlos Williams uh, and we from Florida State. And we move on to our seventh and final pick. Uh, I'll start with UFC. Gerald Christian, tight end, Louisville. Period. I'll bang the table for a month. Gerald Christian, tight end, Louisville. Not, not big enough. Not fast enough. The only thing he does is win. He competes and he wins. Gerald Christian, tight end, Louisville. I'd be willing to trade down to try to pick up more seventh-round picks just so I could get them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or trade up and trade away my seventh-round pick to get them. I'd actually trade up in the sixth round and get them. This kid is a stealer. He'll. Everybody will have his jersey. It's he's every he's the good parts of Miller with like the good parts of Heinz Ward with the good parts of you know Jerome Bettis. He's like vocal and always got a smile on his face and he talks shit and he's physical and he's nasty and he would be a good fit for what the Steelers do at tight end, which is basically go out there and run block help the offensive tackle in the passing game and run a six-yarder out. And he is—he actually is athletic. He, he, it's just that he's so damn physical and he's so good in the run game. And you'll, like, read people, oh, he's not that great in the run game. Put on any film. I was saying when they put on I watched every game that I could find of him the last three years at Louisville. The only thing he did was kick us and take names. Yeah, well, that's a, it's a, ring, that's a, that's a pounding on the table. Perch, pound for me. Pound for me on the defensive side. Well, I'll I'll counter that with, uh, at best, FC just hit a single or a double. I'm going for home <laughs> runs here. But it throws some names at you. You are a Hey, we're swinging for fences. It's round seven. I'm not going to try and hit a, hit a single. Right. Look at Rodney Gunter again, a guy who's 6'5", 305, that's running a 4'7". That's very and it shows up on film. The little bit of uh, Delaware State film that's out there. That guy's flying around. Uh, you know, it's, he's a project, but hey, they, they've got a spot on the roster for a project on the defensive line. We talked about the DeAndre's Mount earlier, a guy who can flat rush the passer and situationally at least. Um, those are the two guys who I'd be looking at at this point. Just uh, hopefully catch lightning in a bottle and maybe hit a home run. I'm, Perfectly okay with uh, swinging and missing and getting nothing on either of those guys. Hey, um, I'm sorry, Perch, Perch, I missed the pass rusher. Who is is the pass rusher? Uh, Deontre's mouth from Louisville. Oh, great. Okay, gotcha. 
Um, keep going. Sorry, I just I just was trying that's, to catch up. That's my two. Uh, Gunter, the def- the big defensive tackle from Delaware State, and Mount the uh, the edge rusher. So those are uh, those are guys I'm swinging for fences and hoping for a home run on. Uh, other than uh, a single double tight end. There you go. Gotcha. Um, Boy. Wow. Here's what I here's what I've, my pro, I'll just tell you my thought process. Okay. Um, I, I like all three players that that were posed as a as a potential picks. Um, I'm going to say that that Rodney Gunter is a free agent in this draft. I don't think he gets drafted. So I'm going to say he's my first call. I'm calling his agent right now, as a matter of fact, and saying, "Man, we love you. You know, we're you are our first call. If nobody text picks you between now and the end of the draft, we're taking you right." Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to eliminate him because I think I can convince him to come here. We have enough room on the roster to fit him in and all that stuff. And we have, you know, John Mitchell to teach him how to play the position. Um, the pass rusher, we, we all three like DeAndre's mount. Um, yes, we do come up twice already in this, in and this Christian's podcast. probably going to be an EDFA too, if I'm going to be honest about it. Well, here's the other I thing I'll say. Will be. Okay. Now here's what I also say about tight end. I think you got, you got, you know, three or four guys that may not be the the blocker that Christian is, but maybe they're, you know, like or even O'Shaughnessy. I'm not even sure that he gets drafted. You know, right? You have a guy. That's you, right. you you do have some options here if if he doesn't make it to undrafted free agent. Um, but I, as, you know, despite what we talked about earlier with with uh, Ryan Delaire, at this stage in the draft, I think I think I'd almost like to take Mount, and just think to myself, you know, the absolute worst case. He's a career number three guy who comes in a game rotational pass rusher who really kicks ass when he comes in as a pass rusher. I think in the long run that might mean more for the team. Um, and and as a special teams, you know, player like this is the kind of guy you want to have running down the field on special teams, right? Um, so I'm going to surprise even myself. I didn't think I was going to take another pass rusher, but I am going to take DeAndre's Mount, uh, outside linebacker from Louisville, and swing for defenses. Maybe you know, maybe he turns out to be a a player, uh, right? I don't know. Oh man, it, I you met. I would not complain, considering I started off, you know, or I said early on that I thought that he was every bit, if not a better player than Malden from the same school. So I'm, I'm down with it. Great. All right. So here's just to recap for, for quickly. Uh, here are our selections uh, in our, in our draft special: cornerback Marcus Peters in the first round from Washington. Uh, and then round number two, linebacker Nate Orchard from Utah. Round number three, Henry Anderson, defensive lineman from Stanford. I think Perch said before we started picking that if we got uh, Peters, Orchard, and Anderson in one, two, threes, that would be a home run. So, you know, pat ourselves on the back for a second. Round four, we took the best player we thought available, wide receiver Chris Conley from Georgia. Round five, offensive guard Mark Lewinsky from WVU. Round six, stayed in West Virginia for Daryl Roberts, cornerback from Marshall. Uh, round six, compensatory. At the end of round six, Carlos Williams, running back, Florida State. And round seven, outside linebacker, uh, stunt pass rusher, DeAndre's Mount from Louisville. Uh, Perch, I'll throw this to you. You, if you were the GM, what did you know? What could we have done better in this in this draft? If you know, knowing now what you knew, if you knew then what you know now, did we go wrong somewhere? Not, not really, not at all. I mean, I, I like it. I think we were uh, we filled needs and we hit best player. Of it. I mean, we we didn't just reach to fill needs in any round. Um, you know, the only thing I maybe could have suggested was maybe a trade down somewhere with uh, 
you know, to get more picks, you could have maybe gave away Nate Orchard in the second and then picked up uh, uh, Kikaha from uh, Washington in the third and had another third to spend somewhere. But that's just nitpicky. I, I think we uh, we did it the right way. We hit the best player all the way down through and filled both of the needs we had. Not all of them. We didn't get a tight end, but and we didn't get a running back until late. You know, the last two picks of the draft. But it uh, it was a pretty good uh, pretty good run. FC comments on our draft. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I really do. Um, I agree with Perch. Maybe there might have been a spot or two where we we can move down, but it's hard to anticipate or guess. So with the information that we have, I think we did a good job. Yeah, you know, I, I the only thing I'll say about it is I was I was surprised. I sort of feel like, you know, there's a couple of sneaky pass rushers late in the draft that if you feel okay with what you're going to start the year with and you're just looking to depth and guys for next year, um, you know, we, you, you look at a guy like Delaire or DeAndre's Mount, those guys could come in in year one and be a third down specialist and uh, show you what they've got. I sort of feel like I'm not, I don't feel pressured to take an outside linebacker that I don't really believe in early in the draft. That was my big takeaway. I knew that there was going to be corner depth and uh, and running back depth, but it surprised me to to think that you know if what if you change, if you twist your mind around it a little bit, it's possible to consider um, not jumping at an outside linebacker you don't love early in the draft. That's my take. Um, last thought, FC. I'll give you the first last thought. Um, just remember that the draft it takes generally two years to figure out how good or how shitty it is. So be patient. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. whatever have thought that Antonio Brown taken in the sixth round would end up being a top five wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, you, Sometimes you never know. No, no, you, you, sir, would be the one who thought so. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't think he was that elite. I'm not going to go out there. I player. I, uh, no, I don't think anybody could have ever guessed that he was going to turn into what he turned into. And no, you love the player. I, got, I, I give you full I props. You love the player. So, anyway, I think we both did all right that year. I was on the Emmanuel Sanders bandwagon. Emmanuel Sanders, were on absolutely. Antonio, Antonio Brown. And I don't want to right. get on horns, man. We don't do this professionally. And the three of us plus, you know, Clan and Clemson and everybody at our board, we love the draft and we do pretty damn good with it. And I won't take a back seat to anybody, not to Todd McShay, not the Mel fucking Kuyper, not the Matt Miller. I can like these guys. I can respect them. I don't think they know more than we do. I really don't. Well, That's because we, too- we, we love the draft and we love it, And but we have enough respect that we know that regardless, we don't know it all and we're not getting all the information. The media, on the other hand, thinks they do know it all and they think they're getting all the information. And I'm not taking a. I'm not attacking nobody in particular. What I'm what I'm saying is, you believe in, you believe in us. <laughs> I believe in us exactly. All right, I'll leave it at that. Perch, final thought. Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, don't fuck this one up. Please don't fuck <laughs> this one. <laughs> there you go. I, I was going to say it, but I didn't want to be the prick. Well, let let us hope uh, if they get us the draft that we just got, I'd feel I'd feel all right on draft night. But I have a feeling that we're going to be gnashing teeth, throwing stuff, uh, tossing our TVs out the window, and you know. So, so maybe uh, we'll we'll catch base after the, the first night of the draft or second night of the draft. We'll touch base again and uh, and see which items in our household we've broken. 
on uh, draft night. Gentlemen, uh, try not to have an aneurysm when they pick, uh, you know, some player you don't like who plays cornerback for Wake Forest in the first round. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, my God. on, oh on my. Kevin Johnson at this point is basically a hate crime, so I gave up on it. <laughs> right. Leave the forecast. <laughs> he even had to mention it. And, and with that, I will see all of you at the Stuart Fury message board and at the chat room that's going to get opened up if they draft Kevin fucking Johnson. There's a very good chance that the old FCFC is going to be grabbing at his chest. <laughs> it's true. He won't be the only one. All right, gentlemen, thank you for a fine, fine podcast. Uh, once again, uh, thank you to our guest, Scott Karasik of uh, Bleacher Report at L. Uh, and also, you know, you can follow uh, the show uh, on its own website, SteelerFuryPodcast.com. Uh, and there, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to know that if you like the show, um, someday you could donate a dollar uh, because sometimes it's a, a little bit time-consuming and expensive to try to do this, and we mostly do this because of the love. But every once in a while, there's a bill to pay, so there is a donate button on there. And in general, gents, thank you for a fine podcast, and I'll talk to you after giraffe night. Go get them Steelers. Ooh, Steelers. Here we go. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.